happy Halloween coming to you on All Hallows Eve, Week Zero Sports. I'm Michael. I'm here with my co-host, Petty. Uh, Petty, what do you have on the slate for us this week? Trick or treat, Michael. Um, man, we're going to talk uh, the most exciting sport in base uh, in sports in sports uh, stumbling all over this we'll, we'll tell you why here in a minute uh but definitely michael's favorite sport we're gonna discuss it we're gonna discuss the ever mystic transfer portal in college football that just came about out of nowhere a few years ago um the nfl picture starting to get clear or maybe it was clear a week ago but we're gonna talk about it um we got a spooky Saturday morning cocktail from a very unexpected source this week. Uh, I'm actually going to do the Saturday morning cocktail. I'm excited about this one. It, it's it man. It, it's the timing is uncanny how this worked out. I'm really pumped about it. Um, we're we're going to get warm and fuzzy with all the feels. We're going to talk our gambling as always. We're going to make some picks and and hopefully stay on some of us stay on the right track and and, and one of us get right back on track the way they I'm, started. I'm coming out of the gutter this week. No, it's it's happening. This is the week where where he catches back fire. I, I feel it. I, I feel um, it. it. <laughs> and then, as always, man, we're gonna talk some Darwin's. We're gonna make fun of some folks. Maybe always. not just in that segment either. <laughs> I'm always excited about the Darwin's. Right. I feel like we could have um, talked about Darwin's for the entire episode this week because it's been such a crazy week. But before we jump into everything, let's go ahead and get a shout out to our founding sponsors. The Week Zero podcast was made possible by our founding sponsors. First, Workspace Solutions of Charlotte, North Carolina. They provide web design, digital media, advertising, and SEO to their clients. Visit WorkspacePros.com to find out more. Our second founding sponsor is DreamWork Financial Group of Birmingham, Alabama. They're a registered investment advisor, personalized portfolios, wealth management. They have Spectre and Tempo funds. Visit DreamWork.Financial/Week0 to learn more. Investments involve risks. See website for disclaimers. Our third founding sponsor is Custom Plumbing and Gas Fitters of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. They do plumbing and gas work for new construction and remodel. They're master plumbers and master gas fitters. Call 205-534-2800. And our final founding sponsor, a Real Rock Thin Stone Veneer by Lambstone Company. They provide interior and exterior stone in thick wall and thin stone veneer. Visit lambstone.com slash week zero for more information. And thanks again to those guys. We appreciate you. Uh, thanks for, you know, whether it's good or bad, funding us to come out here and ramble for an hour and a half every week. Um, Petty, how's it been in Alabama this week? Man, Alabama's awesome. Uh, again, wife's been out of town, which leads into our maybe Saturday morning cocktail edition. But uh, been a good week with girls, man. Raining down here, but we're getting ready for Halloween. It's a very tough time in the Petty household. Because my wife, for some reason, went ahead and opened the candy that we're passing out for trick-or-treaters like on Saturday, which led to me having to go replace said basket <laughs> of candy on Tuesday. Um, I'm like, come on, man. You can't, you can't leave like little mini Twix out or, or uh, Kit Kats and me not walk by and grab one every time. So, so Twix and Kit Kat, that's your uh, weakness? Oh man, actually, any I'm a I, you know we're '80s kids. Going to the the Toadstool store and getting some candy was was my thing. So <laughs> Nerds, Starburst, Kit Kats, Twix, uh, Milky Way. I'm 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 pretty liberal with my my love of candy. How do you feel about the Three Musketeers? Is that the last one left in the bowl? That's that's <laughs> the one I don't eat. That I still uh, eat, it. eat. It's just the last one. Yeah, yeah it, it's, <laughs> they're usually it's, stale by the time I get to them. 
It's when I'm out of candy and I just need candy and I'll, I'll go to that one. The one that I won't eat is if they come home with some of those stupid, uh, the, the, the orange and white things that come out just at Halloween. Candy corn. Uh, God bless America. I saw the, uh, the funny man guy that does, you know, how Alabama fans watched, uh, the game. Yeah. And I saw him tweeting about how good candy corn was. And I was like, you know, what? I've always thought this guy was pretty funny, but I need to take a step back and reevaluate because candy corn sucks so bad that anybody that likes it, I have to question their, like their stru- their mental structure. We've, we've got some good friends over here and they may hear this. They're probably going to hear it. And I'm, I'm going to have to answer to this later, but they <laughs> love it. And they're like, no, but have you, that, they, and they do this. No, but have you tried it with peanuts? I'm like, dude, you could put gold. I don't, I don't care what you put. You put filet mignon in there. Nothing's going to make that crap better. It's, how do you, how do you make sugar taste bad? Candy corn. Yeah, candy corn. <laughs> Boom. So we, we've got pump. We've got. We've got pumpkins ready. We've got costumes ready, and we're full bore into Halloween, Michael. How about, how about you guys up there? Well, first thing, I want to apologize to all candy corn likers out there because I do realize that there are a lot of you, and <sighs> I get it. You like it. It's just weird to me. Totally weird. But garbage. You know, North Carolina is it's it's rainy, is what it is, and uh, it's still kind of hot. Um, I wish it would just go ahead and become cool. And I'm actually headed up to DC for Halloween. My wife is a huge, uh, that's her favorite holiday, you know, <laughs> festive wise. So we always try to have a little fun and she dresses me up like an idiot in many cases. And it's probably going <laughs> to yeah. be the case again tomorrow. So if anybody happens to be running around the streets of Washington, DC, or maybe seeing a little band called Umphreys McGee. You might see a Bob Ross or a Wiley Coyote there. Um, so keep an eye out. <laughs> nice. I hope for, I'm, I'm voting Bob Ross. Well, if it's Bob, my Bob Ross is pretty good. I'm having to recycle costumes cause I've done each of these once like over the past five years, probably, but we didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare. And, um, the, the Wiley Coyote is actually a space jam. So I'm wearing like the full basketball outfit, and uh, she does Red Runner. Yeah, I was about to say, who does she cool. go as? At this? <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she's Larry Bird. Bird. So I'm chasing her around, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bill Murray. <laughs> um, right, and then the Bob Ross. She's she's just a pretty little tree, so she just dresses up like a pretty little tree. And all I have to do is put on a you know an Afro wig, and I'm Bob Ross. And your beard. So yeah. it is. Yeah, it's pretty. That's a pretty easy one. And the problem with that one is it's so good that it's hard to get from point A to point B anywhere you go because the one time I wore it in Charlotte, I got stopped for pictures and people to tell me about their childhood for like, you know, it took me an hour to get between blocks to go from, from bar to bar. So that's all definitely uh, have to be careful with that one. Um, Cause it's pretty good. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, maybe just to switch it up a little bit, she'd be like a happy little cloud. She could be a happy little cloud, right? Yeah, exactly. Could, you, but could, you, could, you could go from a tree to a cloud. Just right for here. me, for me, it's just a, a blue button down. Maybe throw a couple uh, paint brushes in the pocket of the the button down, and then carry around a, a little palette with some paint on there. And I'm gold. You know, I mean, it, it's pretty easy. But I don't like wigs, so I'm a, I'm I'm lobbying for Wild E. Coyote <laughs> right now. So we'll see well, how that goes. I'm kind of pulling for Bob because the irony in all this is just a little over two hours ago we were doing pumpkins and we 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 had some pumpkin issues where they I guess they had gotten too wet and there were some. So our girls painted the pumpkins this year and my nine-year-old oh. 
is over there talking like Bob Ross, putting happy little uh, eyes and stuff all over the pumpkin. She's a huge Bob Ross fan. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I mean, like I said, when I was this, people would walk up to me and be like, oh my God, when I was 12 years old, I used to sit there with my grandma and watch the show. I'm like, I don't want to hear the whole yeah, story of, of your co- childhood about it. I get it. You like Bob Ross. Cool. That's why I wore the costume. You know? Congratulations, you and everybody else. That's why I'm wearing this. <laughs> right. Right. Um but, you know, that's enough about dressing yeah. up like an idiot, but that's probably what's going to happen if things play out like I see it, it happening and maybe get a chance to stop by uh, some of the Smithsonian museums because I've never been to any of them. And I'm really excited about that. So nice. I'm hoping to maybe get into the natural history or the new African-American history one looks really cool because um, it's like one of the newer ones. And then uh, space is also aerospace stuff. So I'm going to go try to see at least one or two of those. And then uh, the wife's never really walked around DC very much. So take a few pictures at the Forrest Gump locations and oh, absolutely. You know, make a thing of it. So yeah, well, cool. Well, um, what do you got for us this week in sports? Man, um, and look, we're going to go ahead and give a PSA at this point. Um, the Saturday morning cocktail is something uh, that, that we're going to be discussing, but it may also have been something that I've tried already tonight. And me and my co-host may have tried multiple cocktails in the pregame. So if we ramble a little bit more today, we're still going to try to keep it within an hour and a half. But uh, we apologize in advance. Well, you can't talk about a drink if you haven't had said drink. Ooh. And this one, that you'll know the story about it. This one came rolling in, um, you know, kind of last minute. So you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes, sometimes you have to multitask and today podcasting and Saturday morning cocktail seems to be our two. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, without further ado, um, Michael, uh, why don't you remind, uh, our older guests or our recurring fans and our new guests, what, what's your thoughts on baseball? Are you a big fan? Well, this is how much I like baseball. I have put on, and I've told you guys this, I do turn on the World Series sometimes, and I'm looking up, and it's the bottom of the ninth. Um, it's over. Six to two. It's a game seven. Nobody looks excited. Everybody's kind of just standing around. They're showing people's faces right now, which is you know most of what you get in baseball is you get to look at dudes' faces. Um Still looking at look, guys' faces. Look, All right, now we're about to have a pitch. So yeah, no, I, look, it's a little man. boring for me. There's not much. There's the, not much. The, to well, it. the Nationals are about to win the World Series. By the way, that that's what's going on. But okay, you want to make fun of baseball? Well, when was the last time in your precious football did did you see a pair of boobs sitting behind the camera? Hmm. Been a minute. I, I would actually, think. I could probably answer it because <laughs> I was on a date with my now wife at a Super Bowl party at your house. But oh oh yeah, yes. Jared Jackson's move. That was that was the but last. That was Timberlake, and it was Absolutely. all by design. And if I remember right, there was a pasty, and I think somebody knew something because the camera moved real quick, and then everybody in the room, like every room in America, looked at each other and said, "Did that just happen?" And apparently, it did. And it, they made it way bigger of a deal than it was. I remember that. Yeah, so so part of a boob came out. Yeah, you know everybody's seen them. That's like one of the first things you see in life is a boob jammed into your face. Well, so, guess what? You know. In in my boring baseball, <laughs> we got two sets of them in Game Five of the World Series. Oh, I saw that. That's all. Yeah, that, props to baseball for that. You're right. It's like a kiss concert for now. you out there, uh, right behind home plate in Game Five of the World Series. Uh, Instagram model Julia Rose, and I guess Instagram model is a sweet word for stripper. <laughs> decide girl who pulls up shirt at any any girl that 
pulls up their shirt on national TV is immediately now Instagram model. Cause once you get, you know, a hundred thousand followers and what better way yeah, model than, model I'm doing it. You know, if she had written her Instagram handle across her boobs, that would have been gold. the only thing she could have done better. Well, I'm doing model in air quotes, but she's a model and right. she decided to treat all of baseball fans and a friend of hers to um, her, her, her upper torso. Well, it was two pairs of boobs. I came into this actually. the The, the story has developed. When it first happened, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to give Michael hell about this because he always talks about how boring baseball is." Well, let's if you've listened to our podcast, there's been seven games of the World Series, so there's been approximately seventy minutes of actual gameplay in, in seven games, and probably about twelve mm-hmm. hours. Wait, wait, what? Seven times four is shoot twenty twenty eight hours of baseball. The most exciting thing happened in a matter of 10 seconds. And I was like, oh, yeah, see, in your face, Michael. Well, come to find out, this isn't this girl's first foray in flashing at a sporting event. She's actually done it at the National Hockey League as well, Miss Rose. Well, within a day, Major League Baseball sends her a letter, finds her name, sends her a letter, and suspends her from all baseball. Like, she can't go into any baseball parks, which I actually don't think they can do that. I think it's kind of like a state's rule. But hockey? No, man. Thumbs up. You're good. Come on back to these hockey arenas. Flash all the boobies you I, want. Yeah, I was about to say, I feel like the hockey people would have been like, Oh, yeah. yeah well, cool. look, in baseball, yeah, just- <laughs> you get in a fight and you get like thousands of dollars of fines and you get suspended for games. And hockey, you knock a dude's teeth out of his mouth and they're like, hey, there's this little box. Go sit in it for two minutes. Three minutes. Three <laughs> You're minutes in trouble. Go to timeout. I started this. I really started this whole venture thinking baseball was awesome, and then hockey comes and steals the show because baseball bans these girls. That's what I was about to say. Is like I feel like every time we start this conversation, that your intention is to convince me that baseball is good, but you always end up convincing yourself that it's not. Oh no, I'm further like convincing myself through this podcast that baseball really is horribly boring. So hockey one, baseball zero on that one. Um, And look, they won the World Series. They're, they won the World it's Series. It's over. When it's on mute, it's very unexciting. So I've got it muted, obviously, because I don't want it like spilling through to the podcast. But it, you know how to make baseball even more boring? Mute it. Well, congratulations to the Nationals, man. They started, I think, around 2002. They, they were a team way back in the 20s. And now they're champions again. Yeah, congrats. Right. Man. I mean, it's a big deal. It really is. As much as I talk about it, like I do try to watch the World Series games because they can get exciting. And there were a few of them that were pretty good. This one, on the other hand, got, you know, a little out of hand. So it wasn't as much. I was hoping it would be down to the wire and you'd catch both of us like screaming at a home run at the very end or somebody, you know, getting thrown out at home. But nah, 62. 62. Yeah. And we got boobs in game five. Kind of like the national championship game last year when Clemson was just curb stomping Bama. And nobody wanted to be watching that in the fourth quarter. Speaking of derailed, Michael, this whole podcast about got derailed tonight by a tweet I found where that I also have sent to you. Because if, if you haven't learned through this, we, we not only love sports, we're, we're both huge music fans. Well, they interviewed all one or asked all 130 Division One football coaches what their favorite bands are. And me and Michael literally spent 30 minutes like firing coaches based on... <laughs> Based on, we were firing coaches. Actually, I, there's a few teams I like more now based on who their coaches' b- bands are. No doubt. Um, and if you were to come up to me right now and say, gun to the head, you've got to pick your favorite football article of the year, there would be no question that this is my favorite. <laughs> like this is, this is the pinnacle of the college football season as far as I'm concerned. And I hope whoever wrote this makes it a point to do it every year. 
Dude, I, I love this person. And I, I one thing I've decided that the first thing that caught my eye was it there was a picture of Dave Matthews, huge Dave Matthews fan, PSA. Um, and he was in the kind of photo of this article. So that's what drew me into it. Well, the first thing is that they interviewed them all. The 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 band that got the or the the artist that got the most votes was Kenny Chesney. He got eight. Um the second was Eric Church. And he got like six. And that's All 14 of, people right there that need to be fired. They're fired. Immediately. Yeah, 14 fired immediately. people that we could cut out of the top of any yeah. position because if those are that's your favorite band, something upstairs isn't running properly. I can get you liking this stuff or even, you know, being a, you know, just a, a I'm going to see him every time he's in town. But if this is, if Brad Paisley is your favorite band, I just. If any I, I new no country words. artist, Jason Aldean, um, uh, Luke Luke Perry or Luke? No, that's that's nine zero two one zero. Luke Bryan, um, two first names. Luke Bryan, that guy. Yeah, he's garbage. All those people. If you have those on your list, and one of them is the team I cheer for, uh, Matt Luke, you're fired. You said Jason Aldean, done <laughs> out. Um, so so let's talk about highlights of this thing first. Let's go through let's go through the conferences because this article and we're going to share this article because again my favorite article of the year. Um, well, the American got, Conference wins first of all. We're going to point that out. Their 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 commissioner Mike Aresco uh, chose the band, of course. And any that is a good solid answer for anybody. Even if you picking your favorite band might be one of the hardest things ever, but you have fallback things. Like people ask me, what's your favorite song? I either say superstition by Stevie wonder or shakedown street by the grateful dead, because those are two songs that I love to hear when anybody plays them, but they're not necessarily like my favorite, favorite songs. I couldn't Mm -hmm. pick a favorite song. Right. But I've got an answer for the question. Um, The band anybody can come with that's a strong pick. Yeah. You're, you're in solid. First off, if you can call yourself the band, you've got to at least have some kind of credibility, right? If you didn't just <laughs> get right. flushed down the toilet when you walked in and it was like, our name, the name for our band is The Band. Who are, who are your surprises? I, I had a few surprises that it, it made me happy and made me chuckle. Uh, well, if let's just start with American Conference so we can move through these kind of orderly because every conference has a surprise. My surprise, uh, you know, pick of the conference. It's Dana Holgerson of uh, Houston my man. Prince. Love that one. And it fits the personality. So uh, Dana Holgerson, Houston Prince gets, uh, you know, choice of the conference award. <laughs> I, I give him that because I do love Prince, but I, I was shocked at Sonny Dykes. And this is complete stereotypical. If you've seen Sonny, he's kind of a bigger country looking fella. I would not expect yeah. him to be one of my five Dave Matthews picks. Um, uh, they, yep, exactly. But any coach that calls out Prince, I got to give them props. That's that's money, money call. And who has and who gets you know worst pick of the conference? I think it's a tie for Luke Fickle and Randy Etzel with Kenny Chesney. Oh, absolutely. They both pick Kenny. Uh, outside of those two, honorable outs- mention. Yeah, honorable mention for Mike Houston in East Carolina for throwing out Journey. His wheel in the sky keeps oh on turning. My God. <laughs> All those Journey, Foreigner, and REO Speedwagon were all the same band that just made albums under different names that were just the same <laughs> freaking thing in Boston. Sorry, if you love those, I know they had some great slow dance songs for you in 1983. In 1983, you slow danced with some girl to it. I know you have some memories tied to it, but it's all the same band. My mother uh, my mother loves Steve Perry, so you be careful what you say bad about Journey. <laughs> 
<laughs> but outside of those picks, the American Conference has the band, Jer- uh, Prince, Tom Petty. Hey, Mike Norvell at Memphis pulling out Tom Petty. Art, Dave uh, Matthews, John Dave, Legend, Otis Zach- Redding, Mumford & Sons, which I'm not a big Mumford & Sons fan. I don't like the generally the band and family stuff where you get Mumford Sons, Avett Brothers, any of that, like off-key bluegrass. It's a little weird for me, but their shows are fun and I've been to them, but it's still better than Kenny Chesney. Yeah, if you, that's my thing. Let's be relative here. Like if you're you, Mumford versus Kenny Chesney is like... I mean, the, just the skill in music is different. There's It's a d- totally different level in as far as like musical talent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh Biggest shock, the one that may have earned the most respect to me is the, in the SEC. Uh, Hold on, let's go to ACC next. Oh, let's, oh we're, let's go, we're going. We're going. Okay, quick. we're about so, to kill people with. So, this. what was your what was your what was your favorite pick out of the ACC? Um, the coach. And what's well any uh, any conference that has Dave Matthews? I'm such a groupie. I'm gonna say, Justin Fuente does not look like a Dave Matthews fan at Virginia Tech, but apparently he is. But I'm not gonna lie, that's not the one that wins this. This is mine, though. Let me tell you before you jump in. It's a coach we I've been following this team. Well, no, I like this team that I've been following all year, and I like their quarterback, and, you know, we've made them – we picked them in a WTF line a couple times. I love this. Love the talking heads by Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. You know it's fun to play for that guy if he's a talking heads Burning down the house. (laughs) Great call. Um, But the 90s – the nineties, uh, one, uh, urban white boy in me, <laughs> I've tried to fire Willie Taggart all year, but homeboy put Tupac on his list and look much look, love. I solid, solid pick. I would say, um, if there's going to be an honorable mention, that's definitely it because I'm a huge. Tupac oh, absolutely. Fan. The, the nineties, I had every album and I was sure he was still alive. If you, know, you so played it. sports in the nineties, I don't care white, black, whatever, and grew up you got indoctrinated to, to a few rap bands, uh, uh, bone, Tupac, uh, Snoop. Anytime I say Tupac cool in the nineties. Yeah. Even, if you were just cool. You know, in the 90s. I mean, you didn't even Dude. have to play sports because I, I, I did not pick up any of that music from my sports friends. I was really I played sports, but yeah, I just got that from like my gangster friends pretty much. Well, my gangster <laughs> friends also played sports. So, that's right, how, there you go. In the in, in you know us in the city, Michael. And um, to be and to be clear, when I say my gangster friends, we're talking about uh little redneck wannabe white boy gangsters that live in the middle of nowhere. So I'm not talking about real gangsters here. So. Is is there anything <laughs> more fitting than Dabo Sweeney's pick of Garth Oh my Brooks? god, Garth Brooks, he nailed it. I, I, that was one of them that I don't even have to look up because when I saw it, it was like Dabo Sweeney and Garth. I I could have guessed that one, I feel like I can actually <laughs> imagine Dabo Sweeney full Clemson gear at his his age right now going to the skating rink and like requesting thunder oh, rolls yeah. for a couple skate. Hey, can you, Hey, can you, can you bust out some thunder rolls? We want to get on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then after the breakup friends in low places, right? Oh so, yeah. Um, now next, so how about the big 12? Did you see anything that was shocking in the big 12 first? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, has one a, Jim it. Harbaugh is a bo- oh, wait, big 12. We're not to the big 10. Big 12, Big 12. There's a shocker in here. I don't know uh, if you caught it, but there is a shocker. If you have a mullet, I'm not expecting you to pick what you picked. If you're a man and you're 40 and you got a mullet, 
Number two, I would love to see Mike Gundy throwing it down at a Prince cover band, just just breaking it down. That would be, I don't care what it would cost to get into this show. It's worth going in there. So any, you know, if anybody knows that Mike Gundy is going to see a Prince cover band, please let me know about it. I will fly to Kansas if I have to, or Oklahoma or wherever the heck this guy is. What's, what's his favorite Prince song? Like Thieves in the Temple or Diamond, like all seven? I, I can't, Gundy at <laughs> Prince just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> well, here's another one that doesn't make sense to me, and I want to get your take on this one because I think you might have overlooked it. What do you think about Les Miles' pick? Oh, where, where did Les... I don't even know who that is. <laughs> come on, come on. Am I you supposed to know, know them? This? I think so. Or how old are you? I'm, I'm, I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> As of next month. Well, uh, I didn't expect... Les Miles to come with a pretty gritty hip hop artist, Twenty One Savage, who has a face tattoo. <laughs> that, that was Les Pick. That was a full on shocker to me. Um, I did not see that coming at all. So kudos to Les Miles for keeping it real. The thing that I called about the Big Twelve is uh, Michael. Who are the two best teams in Texas right now? Did we ever say Twenty One Savage is the the guy? Twenty One Savage, yeah. Twenty with twenty. Uh, yeah, I don't know who's Twenty One yeah. Savage. Does he sing? You don't know who that is. He's a, he's a, a hip hop. Is guy. he? Is it a song? I, I guarantee he does a song. I know though, right? I'm sure he probably does, but that's not going to be my skill for pulling that out of the air right now. You'd have needed to ask me that question before, and I could have looked it Uh, up. The only undefeated team in the Big 12, uh, Coach Matt Rule at Baylor. Yeah. He likes the Dave Matthews Band. Look at that, man. Makes sense. It seems like a lot of our the people that our music interests line up with have been outperforming this year. And let's continue into the Big Ten and talk about that. So, first thing I see... Lovey Smith of Illinois is a big George Clinton fan. I happen to be <laughs> on the George Clinton fan bus as well. Um, and he's the guy that I like came the out, gave the big, uh, the big loss to Wisconsin to expose them. So, you he know, did. I, yeah, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, Mike Loxley, uh, old Bama guy with citizen cope. That's an interesting one, you know, kind of pulling that one out of nowhere. Mm- my favorite is Scott Frost, who picked like a college band. Like, if you're from Alabama, you've heard, or anybody in the South, you've heard of the Velcro Pygmies. He basically picked the flipping ass Velcro Pygmies. Who the hell is Casey the Casey Donahue band? band? Maybe he's just it's really like, deep into music, it, you know? It's a dude that really liked Dave Matthews, but wasn't good enough to be Dave Matthews. So he named his band the Casey Donahue Band, and they fell short. And there's no way Jim Harbaugh's favorite band. You no, he's a liar. The podcast. There's no way Jim Harbaugh's favorite band is Bob Marley. Maybe that's the only person he knows that does music, and that's all he came up with. But I, what do you think? I I can't I can't put words together right now to describe my mental image of thinking of Jim Harbaugh and his khakis jamming to Three Little Birds. <laughs> Drive on yeah. my doorstep. Now, he is the furthest thing from a Rastafarian hippie. He's like a, he is the ultimate penultimate. No, his answer should have been Buddy Holly and the Crickets, because that's the truth. <laughs> like, he's no way he likes Bob Marley. Well, let's hit, let's Roy Orbit. No, he's a Roy Orbison fan. That's where I see. There you, know. you go. I can, I can definitely see that one. Like, uh, <laughs> I can see a little Roy Orbison slipping out there all right so quick run through i I don't want to jump into too much of the non-power fives but in conference usa there were a couple pretty good picks butch davis like fleetwood mac the commissioner was a jack johnson fan so that's kind of hip you know how and they got a female commissioner judy macleod so uh kudos to kusa over there 
I'm glad you brought up Conference USA and we aren't just completely because the coolest name in all of college football, Marshall's head coach, Doc Holliday. I mean, yeah. come on. You, yeah. You're named after, you know, I'll be your Huckleberry. Apparently, he was born without a soul, Michael, because they asked him and he doesn't have a favorite musical act. And agree. What? We can, we both agree 100% this guy should be fired for that answer. Um, he knows how to play Frederick effing Chopin on a piano, dude. Come on. That's a, that's a Doc Holliday reference. Oh, gotcha. Didn't know. Did not pick that, that, that is up. A, that is a Tombstone reference for those who haven't watched Tombstone and lived under a rock in the 90s. All right. So other things I want to throw out there really quick. Uh, Jay Hobson of Southern Miss for picking <laughs> Meatloaf needs to be fired. How can Meatloaf be your favorite band? You got to really. Because you would do anything for on. love, Michael. Right. But he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't coach right. at a good school. I wouldn't coach at a good school. And speaking of not coaching at a good school, we can talk about Mr. Walt Bell, who is a um, at our favorite, who we believe is the juggernaut of college football, UMass. Um, thank you, UMass, for losing so bad. You made me a ton of money in the beginning of the year. Walt Bell, his favorite band is Tool. And this shocked me because most of the people <laughs> I know that are big Tool fans are generally the you know, stay out late at the bar and smoke cigarettes kind of people and usually don't have very much suntan. And uh, it just doesn't seem like a very football oriented band to me, which none, I, you know, just to say that, you know, you can be a football fan and like tool as well, because, you know, I get why people like them, but I just, that makes perfect sense to me. The worst team in college football, their coach is a tool fan. It's a tool fan. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, you gotta be different. I've known a tool fan. He was a decent fella. He was a kicker. Yeah. I mean, nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with tool fans. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that in general, if you go to a tool concert and you go, you know, the, your standard Maynard freak, the guy is not an athletic. You know, athletics is not his main focus. They like, you know, should one I'm going to point out, and, and I know, should we respect somebody that puts like you notice? There's one name absent on here that probably would have been on here more if it wasn't for the revelations of their life after their life ended. And that's when Michael Jackson, um, right. I, I fall under the category of, I absolutely loved Michael Jackson's music, but yeah. after I found out the person he was, it's, uh, it's almost too hard to swallow. Um, but Mike Bobo, Colorado state says, screw it. I'm, I'm going with man in the mirror. No, dude, look, you don't have to like somebody's politics to, um, well, it's not or the their, Persuade you know what you know what when I say politics I mean how they operate to, to, for them to be your favorite band because I mean if you ever brought your girlfriend around Prince you didn't have a girlfriend anymore. no you didn't so no, no. you know they're, they're you just great band people aren't exactly great people all the time so you kind of have to separate that a little bit not saying that you know Michael Jackson's alleged activity what yeah. you know yeah you know depending on who you ask. Um, unexcusable and whatever but objectively looking at the music it's fantastic oh the his music yeah that's the thing that's the problem i have i i love i'm a huge fan of 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 michael's music i loved it but well he's not making any money off you anymore so don't feel bad yeah, don't feel, well it's the little <laughs> okay. it's the key. So, one last thing before we yeah well, one we last thing before on. we jump out of this topic um i, I do want to cover uh, one of those that that's kind of a funny lineup which is the uh ed orgeron and the creative yep. water revival it that's almost perfect. seems i i, I thought i assumed that when ed orgeron 
gave us his favorite band, it would have just been a bunch of letters that they couldn't understand <laughs> what he said, just smashed out there. But I'm pretty excited that he's a Credence fan. Or something like stuff. I like I like I like Animal from uh I like Animal from uh the Muppets. He gets crazy <laughs> right. he gets crazy on the drums. <laughs> I could have seen that. I could have seen him said the water boy's mother, you know, if you've ever seen that Adam Sandler movie, I could that. <laughs> he might be his favorite band. The best, pick, they, the best you know. pick out of the SEC though. Do and you he, think that, do you think that Ed Ogeron is actually the water boy's father? Like in real life? Oh, absolutely. That, that, that this really happened. Yeah, I do too. Dude, I'm fine. I, I, it's so Ole Miss. He was horrible at Ole Miss and now he's about, to, and now he's got a power at LSU. It's great. Tuberville syndrome. Oh my gosh. I, 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 Ole Miss fandoms. Great. You talk about your boy over at Mississippi <laughs> okay, State. Okay. Really I got to talk about we'll the last thing we're talking about is the one that won me over happens to coach at Mississippi State. Joe Moorhead and a group of Luke Bryans, Toby Keith, Jason Aldean, Kenny Chesney, George Strait. The SEC, <laughs> Marvin Gaye. The SEC may come in last place in coaches in their pick. Last place. Last place. Absolutely. Unconditionally last Is place. The SEC. the SEC coaches have the worst taste. musical taste. Dan Mullen has U2. Blow my brains out. Um, most overrated band of all time, U2. Followed by second most overrated band is the greatest coach of all time's favorite band, the Eagles, Coach Saban. But Joe Moorhead. I don't think they spend a lot of time listening to music is the moral. Of the they story. asked. No, he doesn't. He doesn't even know what music is. They asked <laughs> Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead bust out the notorious B.I.G. Right. That's keeping it real. <laughs> Much I like love. that. I like just a little bit of credit to Moorhead from this point forward. I, I've taken him out of the, the dumpster and just put him in the trash. can. Yeah. You know? he, he likes he likes a little B.I.G. Um, Excellent. Well, that was one of probably my favorite uh, <laughs> articles and segments that we've ever done. And we could have sat there and talked about this for, you know, two years. But well, we apo- I don't want to move on nope. to our next segment, All the Feels, without saying at least, you know, one quick reminder for everyone that you need to move your, cl- your clocks uh, oh backwards one hour this weekend. And one of our uh, loyal listeners and one of our sponsors, and again... Like I said, one of our favorite people in the world Pissed is off right probably now. the biggest anti-daylight savings time activist uh, on <clears throat> Time travel, he's, Michael. He's time hitting travel. all... <laughs> time travel. He calls we it don't time believe travel. Time travel is bad for the human condition. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what you need to know. But um, give me a quick rundown about why we even do daylight savings time, and then we'll jump right into our... Audience. Well, our good buddy bitches about it so much. I felt the need to actually dig into it a little bit tonight. Um, uh, it actually started in Germany and Austria, an effort to conserve fuel. It's all about conservation. It was an, an effort to conserve fuel needed to produce electric power. Uh, it was adopted in the USA, World War I era, 1918, as an act to preserve daylight mm-hmm. and, provi- uh, and provide standard time for the USA. So this was the, the World War I era. And then it went through a repeal, but was officially signed into law. And here's what I didn't know. I thought this had been going on much longer, which actually kind of gives some hope for, for our buddy getting out of it. I mean, this isn't all that old, but it was officially signed into law in 1974 by our favorite Watergate uh, president, Mr. Nixon, uh, is the Emergency Daylight Saving Times Conservation Act of 1973. Um 
So there you have it. And that's what really locked us in. And there are a few small areas in the United States that don't Arizona. participate in daylight savings time, which makes it a real mind yeah. screw <laughs> to go anywhere during this time of the year sometimes. Um, and when you're going traveling to other countries and you're like, I'm only going one time zone and then the time's the same or it's off by two hours, everything just gets a little weird. And so I'm with him. I'm, I'm, I think our official position is we go to standard time and stay there. Right. So whoever's out there that's pulling all the strings, we know eventually that this podcast is going to be part of American history and everybody's going to listen to it because we are the first podcast to publicly come out against daylight savings time. Yeah. Well, which one gives us the longer days? That's it's daylight savings times that gives us the longer days, right? Well, when you fall backwards, it makes your evening become dark really early. So I don't like that one. being six o'clock. Exactly. So you want to stick to daylight savings. That's what I want have it in the evening. OK, you want to stay in daylight savings for me. I'm OK getting up earlier in the winter and I have no problem with it. So I'm either either side. So we're officially now just don't change it. Savings. Get on one and stick and I'll be good. So David's David's uh, his suggestion was, why don't we just move it back 30 minutes and lock it? And just leave it there. <laughs> and I think that's probably the most sensible thing the man's ever said. So we'll <laughs> stick with that. Let's just go. Let's meet in the middle, everybody. My, my whole plan with time is why don't we the whole globe just be the same? Time? Absolutely. Like I would be fine with knowing that at 8 a.m. in Australia, it's actually nighttime rather than having to do the yeah. math to figure out what time it is to know what that is. And why, so, and why does it matter if 8 a.m. is night, 8 a.m. to 4 whatever's nighttime it's, one place? It's arbitrary. Yeah, who cares it's, which one's day or night, a.m. or p.m.? Just get it all the same. Yes. Right. If it was all the same, it stops the math and everything. So I'm a proponent of standardization. You know, hopefully we'll have the kind of influence to really make this happen. Um, no. <laughs> all right. So um, started here. That's enough about daylight savings time because it was a huge rant even at my bachelor party so we're moving on to the nfl now <laughs> all right so petty talk to me about the nfl it seems to me that i'm finally finally after eight weeks of football starting to get a bead on these teams what do you think yeah and i think we were actually last week kind of honed in like you said we uh it, it's new england is basically waiting on the quagmire of of, of teams in the nfc it's new england they're, they're gonna be there but just brace yourself if you're one of those people that get tired of it it's coming um it's between new orleans new orleans looks to be the team separating themselves san francisco and green bay may have a say i i, I don't know no i agree with you i actually thought the panthers were going to be able to go and give uh San Francisco a run for their money last week. That did not happen. San Francisco's as legit as they get. They, they look Another to me, team. they're as boring and as solid as the Patriots of the West for me. So right now, until somebody does anything about it, I'm considering San Francisco the Patriots of the West. No, there you go. And I agree with you. Um, it kind of brings to we don't I don't really do WTF lines in the NFL, but I noticed this weekend New England's playing at Baltimore, and they're only favored by three and a half. That kind of shocked me. I mean, you know, New England's been winning this year off defense. Uh, they're facing a, a Baltimore team that that is when they faced good defensive teams have struggled. The line's only three and a half. I mean, it's one of those things you never want to bet against New England, but three and a half just seems like it's it's begging you to. And at the end of the day, teams don't go undefeated in the NFL regardless of how good they are. They're going to slip up. They're going to play tight games. And this looks like a game that that Vegas is kind of begging you to take New England, Michael. When teams go undefeated, their names are usually the Patriots. Yes. Yeah. Just saying that. Second, 
The reason why this line is so close is because if you go back and look at the history of this game, it is a barn burner. They are they're going at it. It's always a very close game, and it's because Baltimore has traditionally had that very dominant defense. Yeah. And their defense isn't quite as good this year. I still think that this one is – I I think it's kind of making you think. Uh, it It's one of those that looks like a trap, but trust your instincts. New England's going to win this game. They're going to win it. Uh, like you said, I just don't – like you said that Baltimore's defense isn't as good, so New England's going to get their points. And New England's right now, a lot of their – I mean, the offense is starting to get going, but they've been winning because their defense is so stout. I think this is a trend line. I think this is a line based on the the historical trend, and it will. I just don't think the historical trend is going to hold this year. I think Baltimore's worse than we think, and New England's better. Uh, and my last note, man, is this the beginning and the end for Mayfield? Look, I I don't want to say it. A lot of people pegged him in that that Manziel type of mold. Was he going to blow up because he's kind of volatile? He's done well up until this point, but man, I don't know if you saw his most recent interview after the game. It it seems like the the dude is starting to crack. I did see the interview, and I've only known one man who's been able to be a talker like Baker Mayfield and like Johnny Manziel throughout the history. I mean, because I was not alive for Joe Namath, to be perfectly honest, but I've only known one man that's been able to go out there because the NFL is a motivation league. Every single team out there has enough talent to win any given Sunday. That's why the parody is so good. So if you're a smart-ass quarterback and you keep saying things that insult people, they're going to lock down and they are going to end you. And the only quarterback that I've ever seen that was able to just kind of go through that no matter what was Brett Favre. Yeah, I was going to say Favre's the only one. But you don't see – look, man, Mayfield may have all the, the talent in the world, but you don't see that out of the Bradys, the Mannings. the you, you didn't see it out of Moon, Elway, Marino, those guys like that. They held it together. Quarterbacks are the ones that hold it together, and, boy, he he's starting to crack, my man. You do not want to motivate an opposing team in the NFL. That When the talent is that high, it's almost kind of like – insulting a Bama or insulting a Clemson with a bad ranking or something or giving them a, you know, a, a scare the week before you play them. You don't want to play oh, Clemson yeah. the week after they got scared. You don't want to play LSU the week after they got scared by somebody, you know? So, and moreover, you're in the NFL now, buddy. When you talk crap at the middle of the field to Kansas and you've got Oklahoma's talent, well, yeah, you, you can back it up every time because you can sleepwalk through those games. But when you're in the NFL and you're at a place like Cleveland, buddy, you're you're on the Kansas side of that ball. And if you talk trash, you're dealing with grown men that are that that will take you down. Well, just to end this topic really quick and to give it yeah. a nice uh, nice bow to tie it up. When you started the conversation, you asked, you know, do you, do you think this is kind of the end? for Baker Mayfield. And I can always answer that question with a question that says, is he a Cleveland quarterback? <laughs> yes, he's done. Yeah, it's over. I mean, it unless you're Bernie, Bernie Kosar and that dude struggled to do anything over there, but uh, you know, he has, he had a lot of arm talent. You know, you're at the Browns you're screwed. You, if you yeah, get drafted by the Browns, you need to hold out, get the best contract you can get because you're done. I mean, they ruined Tim Couch. Yeah, they, they're good at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, because we we did things a little bit out of order this week, and it may be something to do with these Thursday night cocktails that's going on, but <laughs> we, we slightly jumped over our All the Feels segment. So we're going to do a quick rewind, and uh, we're yep. going to jump back. And you know, before we get into college football, let's, let's kind of make you feel a little good because we might have some bad things to say. So let's hear a word from our sponsor really quick, and then we'll get right into that. 
Real Rock Thin Stone Veneer by Lamb Stone Company. They've been in the stone business since the 50s. They specialize in a natural thin stone veneer that can be used for almost any application. From exterior veneer to veneer inside your home, the possibilities are limitless. Look, don't fool around with the fake stuff. You don't buy your wife a cubic zirconia engagement ring. Get the real thing from the real source, Real Rock Thin Stone Veneer. Visit them at Lambstone Company slash week zero to browse their inventory of Real Rock. All right, thanks again to Lambstone, makers of Real Rock, for uh, pre- for bringing this this segment to you. Uh, Petty, take it away. What do you have for us this week in our All the Feels? Man, we're, we're going to stick with the football theme. We went with it last week up at uh, Minnesota with a really good story with the, the kid that had uh, four bouts of cancer. And, and we're going to – not in the that vein this week, but we are sticking with football. Um, earlier this month, senior offense, a senior offensive lineman pulled one of the most memorable moments in Sanford football history. If you're not aware Local of who's, Birmingham, Alabama news coming to you from Charlotte, by the way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we're, and we're not talking about Stanford out in Cal. We're talking about Sanford out uh, and, uh, actually home of, I think that's where Bobby Bowden got his start. If, if I'm, if you I'm are correct. Remembering correctly. Uh, he, he pulled a sneaky play uh, on his stepdad, actually, uh, that, that never saw it coming. And according to his stepdad, it, it took his voice away. The senior offensive lineman, his name is George Grimwade, who is six foot eight inches tall and weighs 310 pounds, is a dominating force on the Sanford Bulldog football team at a small university near Birmingham, Alabama, which we mentioned a second ago. Over the last four years, the name Grimwade has become synonymous with muscle and might. According to his stepfather, George is one of the kindest kids, and and he's proven it throughout his life many and many times. Um, His stepfather married George's mom, Michelle, when George was in fifth grade, and the two have gotten along famously ever since. Until Michael came along, George never had a regular male presence in his life, so they they bonded, but they moreover bonded over football. Um, So last month at a game, he jogged over to what he called his dad, and his dad, you know, it was just a normal game where they're standing on the sideline. And his dad said, what are you doing? And he had some papers in his hand and he turned around and George has gotten his last name changed and gotten his his stepdad's or his, 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 his stepdad's name put on his jersey, the new dad. So it would match. And he saw the name on the jersey and he was like, wow. And then he handed him the papers and he realized what the kid had done without telling him was he went and got his name legally changed to his last name because that is his dad. Um, it, I've got and this is this is a kid. Yeah, I got chills when you were talking about it. this is a kid that's over 18. So like you're past the adoption time. Yeah, so you, you don't you have to adopt to change your name. You can't you can't really do it. And he went and what a sign of just pure love for someone yeah. to go spend the time. First off, if you've ever gone to change your name, it sucks. I just had to go through it with my wife when we got married. It's a real pain in the ass. And outside of all of that, just that symbolic gesture and having the name on the back of the Jersey and him not noticing it up until the time that he came up and showed it to him. What a great story. I love well, it. Well, and the beauty of, you know, everything, everybody, a lot of times in life tries to put things in a box or cookie cutter situations. And, and here it is, you know, it's not always that way. You don't have to be your biological dad to be your dad. And it wasn't. And he showed him the love. Oh man, just good stuff. Good, good on you, man. When it overlaps football, it's even better. That's oh, great. That's when right. You can find an olive fields like that. So that's great. Well, speaking of football, let's get right back to our football discussion and let's talk about college football. What are you seeing going on in uh, college football landscape this week, Petty? Man, we're not going to talk about what everybody's already always they've already broke down the Auburn and LSU game. We're going to touch on a little bit, but uh, man, the the thing I want to talk about this week because it was the first time I really honed in on this kid. 
you know, the biggest talk in college football right now is is uh, Tua Burrow, and, and, and justifiably so. Uh, Burrow is putting up uh, uh, unbelievable numbers down at LSU. He did it again against an unbelievable defense at Auburn this weekend and pulled his team out. You know, Tua is, is possibly the best quarterback that in the country the last two years. But, man, the question that was on my mind at the end of the week after finally – I've seen nothing but Ohio State highlights. I've watched a lot of Auburn. Okay. Who's the better defensive lineman in the country? I've been all about Derek Brown. I've, I've, I've compared him to Warren Sapp, and, and I think justifiably so. The kid is a – he disrupted LSU all – look, they stayed in that game against LSU because of Auburn's defense and, and gave them every yeah, chance. Yeah, and in particular, Derek number Brown, five. They couldn't block because him. Because Derek Brown – and nobody can block him, and they were doubling him. If you, I, when I watch an Auburn football game right now, I watch Derrick Brown play on defense. Like I'm looking forward to them getting on defense. Their offense makes me want to throw up. But yeah. watching their defense and watching Derrick Brown disrupt everything. everything that happens on one entire side of the field is amazing to me. And his motor is well. They talk about motors, and I hate that word. But the guy has the and he, he his if he were on uh, NCAA football the game he would have a 99 and uh he would be a 99 in stamina because the dude he just he's he's going 100 percent every play i love watching the guy play football i do too and we've been all over him all year but i'm not gonna lie michael and i know it's real big for us in the south to a lot of times try to discredit how good players are in the north but there's no denying right now if you watch the nfl especially san francisco we just mentioned them with bosa who is a freaking stud OSU has a track record of putting guys that are actually legit studs. I'm not going to lie. I've seen nothing but OSU highlights all year. I've given them props based off those highlights. I actually watched every play of their game against Wisconsin. And this kid, Chase Young, who I should already know about, I feel like an idiot for not, absolutely took over that ball game at defensive end. That He reminded me of what I, – I hate to compare him to this because it's such a high level. And we talked about – we mentioned you mentioned before the show – he was Derek Thomas disruptive. I mean, he literally changed Wisconsin's entire. Wisconsin couldn't throw the ball because of what that kid was doing. Um, it did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now, Petty. I've watched a few Ohio State games, and he is on the plays where he tries Derek what? Thomas good, and that is not a lie. But that game, you got it, full effort, 100 percent effort. He out had of him four in that sacks. Game. He's been. He is. He is he is an amazing disruptor, but he does not give it a hundred percent every play because he's that good. He's LeBron James. Really, a bunch of people. I agree with you. I think that he, I think that he and Derek Brown will be equally as successful in different ways. Whereas Derek Brown is going to be the guy that just clogs up the middle and just takes up two or three blockers. Nobody can handle him. This guy right here can pass rush in a way. So what you're telling me is he. Like I said, I've watched this one game, but what it sounds like you're telling me is he's more in the Jadavian Clowney. I was about mode, to say he decides one. I was about to say Robert well, Kimdichie, Jadavian Clowney were the two names I was about to pull. Where out. if he wants to turn it on, he's nobody the best in player in the block him. He's the best player in NCAA football when he turns it on. But when he doesn't, he disappears. Well, he's got 13 and a half sacks through eight games, yeah. so he's on pace to break the mythical sack record, which is owned by Terrell Suggs, and which is ASU. also trash. 
Well, he had 24 sacks in 2002. I call it mythical because sacks is one of those stats, kind of like the three-point line in basketball. They came in later, and uh, when I was a kid, if they had counted sacks, that one guy, Cornelius Bennett and Derek Thomas both would be one and two right now in sacks. Derek Thomas had 75 sacks. 75 sacks. Yeah, I've got got the stats right here. Yeah, exactly. That's three times the current record. So that's why I think the sack record's trash if you don't go back. You can go back, but just because they didn't count stats doesn't mean we don't have the tape you can go back and counter but if we go back and do that then we have to go back and suspend cornelius bennett for the rest of the season for murdering steve burline and that was like the targeting of all targeting because i think he knocked his head off yeah well um, he, he, he did but back then you got a painting for that not a penalty yeah oh so. yeah you, you, you end up in every alabama fan's uh living room uh no doubt well, what, yeah. one thing, and, and I'll tell you this, those are two, looking at Derek Brown, I would love to be some lucky NFL guy that had two first-round picks and to, to draft Derek Brown and then uh, draft Chase Young back well, and, and have those two on the same team because that would be – I don't think anybody would ever be able to beat that team once those guys got mature. Well, I'll be honest, man. Like I said, that was the first one I've set down. If I had a choice based off what you said, but I want to watch Chase Young more. I want to see if it's a motor thing because if it's a motor thing, Derek Brown never turns his off. I- I'll take the kid whose motor never stops. And I'll I'm take not the telling you. Out. And I'm not telling you Chase Young slacks a lot, but he is not every play like Derek Brown. Derek Brown is not as good as Chase Young as far as just sheer freak of nature athlete that can just blow it up. He's more of that guy that. You know, you're not going to move him. He's if he gets in the back. Well, he's going to disrupt it. He's not his stats. He's a disruptor. Yeah, yeah. Stats aren't going to be there. But if you watch the game, you realize he changed the entire offensive play calling because of what he does in the middle. He's a bowling ball. He's a bowling yep. ball style where this other guy is more of like a flash style. Like he gotcha. gets in the backfield so fast and disrupts. So if you had a guy coming off the edge like Chase Young and a guy like Derek Brown in the middle of your defense, you would be a very happy coach. <laughs> well, Michael, let me feed your soul a little bit, buddy, because I know it eats at it just a tad bit to give Auburn all this love. But yeah. we may have to bash on them just a little bit. And, and look, it's not just Auburn. This is a, a college-wide epidemic. It, but the reason this got put in was because of a certain Auburn player that, that announced today. But we're going to talk about that mystical transfer portal. Um, yeah. kid, kid from Ole Miss this week went into it. Uh, uh, the you know we, we discussed at one point, and I know none of y'all care because Ole Miss sucks, but Ole Miss has like four freshman quarterbacks. One of them went to the transfer portal this week. But the big name was Joey Gatewood uh, going into the transfer portal for Auburn today. He wasn't at practice. Um, Is this the uh, same Joey Gatewood that Gus Malzahn compared to Cam Newton? Yes, yes, yes. That's oh my gosh. There's so many layers. We don't have time. I know we're trying to to to, to bust through this, but man. First of all, I, th- I think the final straw was when he pulled the kid off the field the other day. I, but the the main straw was here. These kids read the the they they know what the coaches are saying. The kid knows he was compared to Cam Newton. You tell a kid in his head, "Hey, dude, you got the you got the traits of possibly in a one year frame one of the best college quarterbacks to ever play the game, regardless of if you like Auburn or not." And then he's sitting there watching a kid who has a worse passer rating than the quarterback at Fink, uh, I think his name's Finkel at Arkansas. Drinkle Finkel. I can't even get his name right. I had it right before, but I've also... Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn I've had four cocktails, (laughs) and I had his name before. Driscoll. Ah, hell, I don't know. The quarterback at Arkansas, who's the worst team in the SEC next to Vanderbilt, 
uh, has a better passer rating than Bo Nix. Maybe this kid got tired of watching Bo Nix uh, spike the ball in the pocket because he freaked out or he's going 9 of 25. And look, I, I know we've given the kid a pass because he's a freshman, but on the flip side, you've got this kid sitting here that the best game plan you called all year was against Texas A&M, and that's when you rotated them in and out. And all of a sudden, you you go back to – this is what they get mad at you about in Auburn, Malzahn. You get stuck in this box, and then you start getting tight. When, when one game doesn't go your way, your play calling starts to get tighter and tighter, and, and it, it takes away from what actually makes you good in your good years. This is what I call Texas syndrome, <laughs> all right? Colt McCoy and Case McCoy, both named after weapons. Very cute. <laughs> Love it. Let's just be honest. Very cute. But uh, all jokes aside, those probably weren't the two best quarterbacks in Texas, but their dad, you know, had some influence uh. with the university. When I went to school at the University of Alabama, there was a lot of that. The boosters chose who started and things like that. There was an Andrew Zal, Tyler Watts thing that was going on for a long time that even like crossed lines of like racism and all this other weird stuff that while we were going yep. to school, when really if you just backed up and looked at who was the better quarterback, you know, you probably could have played both of those guys equally because neither one of them was great, but neither one of them was terrible. Yeah. And you know, Zao's probably a better passer out of the. Out of oh, the there's no, at no least doubt. he didn't. At least he didn't drop back against Oklahoma to throw a pass and drop the ball over his back shoulder and cost the game and me my outback server job. Or, or pooping his pants in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> or pooping his pants. <laughs> uh, that man, that's getting way off topic. But no, how many how many quarterbacks in the SEC have pooped their pants on national TV? That's a good question for the Zach Prescott. We're out of football talk. Zach Prescott did against <laughs> Ole Miss his senior year when he came back just to beat Ole Miss, and then he pooped in his pants and lost to Chad Kelly. That's all I've got to say on that. This is way off yeah. the tra- transfer portal track. But no, I mean, I'm on the fence on this. Look, I get we don't know what these kids are told when they're being recruited or, or hell, this kid was told he was the next Cam Newton. We don't know what they're, they're promised by coaches once they get there, but I do hold have on, a, hold on. You say, hold on. I got to stop you right there. You say he was the next last Cam. Newton. What has he done differently than Cam Newton so far? Go play a couple <laughs> plays at Florida and then look for a transfer. <laughs> I guess nothing. I don't, I, I mean, I he don't, nailed it. It sounds like I, to me <laughs> other than than actual on the field performance. Cause Cam actually looked good when he was at Florida. But I guess my thing is, I, I get like feeling jilted, like you weren't told you were sold a bill of goods. But we're eight weeks into the season. What are you going to do? This isn't the NFL. This isn't like uh, the cornerback at Jacksonville that ends up at uh, LA and you play the next week. You got to finish out your year of school. You were given a scholarship, which you're, you're they're still honoring. So what's the point? You get tell me the point, Michael, in leaving in the middle of the season because you're not going to go play somewhere else. Well, there's not one, and we've got about 30 seconds to finish up this segment right here. But I'm going to tell you, there's not a point to it. It's selfish because there is no benefit to transferring before the season's over. You're already losing your year. You're not getting that year back. You could sit on the bench if, God forbid, Bo Nix doesn't have a great game, which we could never possibly happen, right? You could actually get a chance to get on the field before you go do your transfer next year. You are just looking for attention if you're doing it in the middle of the year, and that's the only positive you can get out of it is attention and i'm going to tell you this right now we are on schedule we're yeah. we're 10 seconds behind right now yeah. so and I, again final thought you never want to i don't want bo to get there but you're one play away from being in the game you're getting training from the best trainers in all the world with college football 
I just don't get middle of year. You're a quitter if you do it in the middle. Of year. Do it at the end of the season. I'm good. Do it. I'm going to give year, you a nice. I'm going to give you a nice closer right now. And I'm just this is food for thought. I don't want any response. And then we're going to move into last week's pick <laughs> recap. But do you think Jalen Hurts had more fun losing this past weekend than he would have had beating the crap out of Arkansas if he were still at Alabama? Ooh. On to recapping of last, last week's picks. <laughs> I know that got your wheels turning for a second. <laughs> oh Lord, yeah, we we could go so so many rabbit holes. Um, let's talk picks. Picks. All right, so I, I would like to introduce this segment because obviously I'm sucking right now and Petty's doing great. <laughs> we are functionally equal at this point. If he hadn't had so many ties, and you know, a couple of those are due to some point buying that we can't do anymore. So yeah, going forward, of. yep, we're <laughs> he's still feeling a little Chinese about that, but we're gonna be <laughs> fine. But uh. Petty, tell me about your picks last week. I think you had another pretty good week. Man, I'm 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 still in the NBA jam zone, man. I'm I'm on fire. Oh, uh, but I always played this guy named Brad Thompson, who even when I was on fire and be up by 20 points, he'd find a way to beat me. So know that this could probably come to an end soon. Um, last week's picks, I had Appalachian State uh, minus 25 and a half against against my homeboy down there at South Alabama. I'm sorry, I've watched a lot of your games. I know y'all struggle. They won by 27, which looked like a close cover, but they only gave Quick up three note. points. Quick note about this. I um, was a little lazy getting my picks in last week. And, uh, <laughs> I went I went an amazing one and nine on my oh, game wow. line last week, which is probably the uh, – I've never been able to do – I've gone nine and one a few times, so I'm due a one and nine, clearly. Yeah. But that was the worst week in the history of my gambling. And I – bought App State right before the kick at 27 and a half. Oh, and I no. lost this game. Oh, uh, even no. though this is a win, I lost it. Yeah, that's the kind of week that I had. Like. So it was a win in my book and a loss for you. Oh, you didn't buy the half point and a loss in my real book. Well, it, it was whatever it was. I think I bought it at 27 and a half. Oh, by the I kickoff. got you. It, so it, I think I lost 28. Like 18% juice on top of this. Oh, so, my gosh. You know, this was a real, real bummer. Um, but yeah, so well, I don't really even want to talk about this. They only the, the the final score was thirty to three. It was one of those games that it, it was a close cover for me, but not for Michael. Well, that their defense obviously wasn't going to give up points, but for some reason their offense couldn't push in touchdowns. They kicked a lot of freaking field goals, but they scored yes, enough. They did. They scored enough touchdowns in the second half and didn't give up any points to to, to still cover. Um, Sorry there, Michael. Man, that's a, a win-loss. No, quick note. Uh, App State's about a 15-point favorite this week. Love them again. <laughs> I didn't take them in my pick them because it's kind of – if it were 13 and a half, I would have taken it, but the 15 is getting close to my projection. So um, I still like – App State's been my darling all year, so no bad <laughs> no bad blood for them. I was just late on the pick. Well, and my next two picks have a combination of possibly the best call I've made this entire podcast – Followed by or, or preceded by possibly the worst call I've made. <laughs> I had right. No, I, hey, I was that's gambling. My favorite pick last week was Temple plus ten and a half coming home to UCF, who I don't believe in, and they lost by forty two. Um, it wasn't yes. even no, that's that's one of those dogs. The sneak dogs sometimes sneak into the house. You know? Well, and it was one of those that like even through halftime are like, oh, I'm still in this one. I feel good about it. Midway through the third quarter, I felt good about it, and it was one of those where like one fill one wheel fell off, and the rest of them fell off, and it turned into a disaster. Um, my pick of the possibly my pick of the year so far. I was all over my WTF line was uh, TCU plus one at home against Texas. This line smelled 
like Vegas was begging you to give them money for taking Texas. So I, I went the opposite way. Anytime that happens, I'm going to go the opposite way. It's called gambling for a reason. And man, TCU pretty mm-hmm. much controlled the entire game. Yep. So no, that was a, that was a fantastic call. Um, I'd seen some people on Reddit talking about that. I, in my infinite wisdom, because I had been burned by going contrarian so much lately, decided to just say, hey, look, Texas is definitely the better football team. The I'm better team. take them. Oh, yeah. And I lost. So, boom, there we go again. Should have listened to Petty on that one and didn't. Um, so, you can see the kind of week I it, had. But, Petty, what I saw from you was another two-in-one week. That's bringing you up to 15, 12, and 3. That puts you at um, – Three and two, seven, one and one over the last three weeks, uh, which is a pretty yeah. good run. Total of 15, 12, and three overall. Uh, yeah. Not bad. Not bad, man. Not bad, Michael. Well, tell me, I know you don't want to talk about them. I know it's been a, a, a couple of rough weeks in a row, but man, I, I know for a fact that you're the same way as me. You're going to get hot. And it's oh, yeah. No, no. And you're right. And last week, and I looked at, I go back and I analyze what I do wrong a lot of times. And I and I started getting cute, man, is what I did. I, yeah. a Penn State team that's being solid uh, goes in to a crappy Michigan State team. I thought all of the external factors would impact them more than they did. And they didn't. Yeah. Mi- Michigan State's hot garbage. Penn State wins it by 21. This is a dog. This is two touchdown loss, blowout win. On the next one, when I looked at still being a contrarian because I was a contrarian all week last week yep. and it didn't pay off very much, but it paid off in the Auburn game. Auburn's defense is going to keep them in whatever game they play. Um, yep. You know, the if the offense is atrocious like it was in Florida, they can lose a cover. But you put Auburn in any spot with 10 points and I don't care who they're playing, I'm going to take Auburn plus 10. Every yeah, week, and nine times out of ten, they're going to win it because the defense yeah. is just that good. Because that is that for a guy who grew up on defense, you know, nineteen ninety two national championship oh, Alabama, yeah. you know, the Nebraska black shirts, the teams that I just loved on defense. Like I can't help it, even though they're you know my staunchest rival. I mean, I love watching <laughs> Auburn's defense play, and it's almost as satisfying to watch how bad their offense is on the other hand. <laughs> so it balances it out. <laughs> But it's funny, the two teams you brought up both beat teams that were offensive stalwarts when they faced them in the championship. You know, Bama beats uh, Miami, who they didn't have a huge underdogs because Miami had all that offensive explosion. Uh, uh, the Black Shirts go play Florida, who's averaging 70 points a game under Steve Sprayer's fun and gun and just beat the crap out of them. Defense, if Auburn had any semblance of an offense, they'd be dangerous. If, and, and and then we'll move on to my third pick. Uh, it was Cal plus yep. 21.5 at Utah. And had the Cal offense not scored 14 points for Utah, this is a half-point cover. So <laughs> yeah, I don't feel that right. bad. Cal, their offense is just that bad. Utah's <sighs> got a very opportunistic defense. They're kind of pissed off, to be honest. I think so. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of the Utah – you know, I kind of keep, I keep a, a thumb on the heartbeat of Reddit a lot of times because you can see what the actual fan bases are talking about everywhere. And I'm going to tell you, the Utah fans are not feeling confident this week going into Washington. Uh, they actually feel like they're going to go and lay an egg in Washington. That's what the general consensus is among fans. And you know when fans know, they know for a reason a lot of times. So keep your eye on that one. Now, I don't, I'm not going to make a pick based on something like that, but that is something to keep your eye on. Absolutely. Sure. And I agree. Look, man, if you if you look at the trends, and I hate to do, I mean, if you look at the trends of, of the Pac-12, that's the way it goes, man. It, every week, yeah. somebody's beating somebody they shouldn't uh, out there. Right. So I, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Washington. It's at home. Washington's got them at home. 
<laughs> you can you can bet that I'll probably be up a couple points uh, by that time, and then I'll put it all on Washington and lose it on the end of Saturday. So <laughs> let's write that down. That's how that's going to happen. That's right. um, depends on depending on how many Saturday morning cocktails I have, I suppose. But that's right. Um, yeah. So that puts me at you know one and two. Uh, so Michael, if I, my, my mathematics are correct, that's one and two on the week. Like I said, I feel like you're going to get back going, but man, because you had such a hot start, you're still 17, 12 and one on the season. So even though there's been a rough couple of weeks, the, 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 the win loss total on the season looks really good. So if you get hot again, you can just push that thing on up. Look, 2012 and one after this week's not going to be bad. Absolutely. There you go. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> All right. Well, look, let's uh real quickly, let's run through our NFL gurus picks because I chastised them pretty hard about not getting me picks last week and we left him out of the podcast, hurt his feelings. The picks that he sent me after <laughs> we'd already recorded were pretty good, but those don't count. Nope. I'm not even going to talk about those, buddy. You got to get them on time, and you did this week. Go, we Jack. get to talk about your picks and the pick three. So um, we're going to go back and we're going to review his two week ago picks. Um, oh, not yeah. this past week, but two weeks ago, uh, he actually came in. He w- he was coming in after his first week at one and two, and then he goes two and one. Um, he took Chicago, which was his only loss of the week, and they got beat by New Orleans. Everybody's been underestimating Teddy Bridgewater. You know, we all, everybody that's watched him play wants to keep doing that. I guess it's time to stop. Well, and, and on the flip side, everybody's expecting Chicago to be what they were last year, and their quarterback, Trubisky, is garbage. So that's. He's just hot garbage. Well, going into the other two games he had, they were blowout oh, yeah. covers. So if you're paying attention, KC blew out Denver, even without Mahomes. This was one of the ultimate calls of the year. I saw a lot of really respectable handicappers online talking about this one. So um, when they all line up, you know, I was obviously on this one big and it was a big, big payout. Also, one that mm. I didn't see coming because I don't have any respect for Baltimore was them going into Seahawks, uh, going into Seattle and taking that game um, and making that cover as, as an underdog. And he picked it. That was that was great. So he was actually two and one, which brings him to an even three and three going into this week's pick, which we're expecting to be hot because we don't want any trash yep. on here, right? So um, try right. without any further delay. This is a, this is a segment we've all been really excited about because of how it came about. Normally, I take care of the Saturday morning cocktail yes. because that's this is my neck of the woods. But this week, my man Petty may actually be starting to slip into the dark side and becoming a fan (laughs) of a whiskey that's not blended Canadian. So before we get into those details, that's a nice little teaser. Um, I would like for you guys to hear a word from my company, Workspace Solutions. Workspace Solutions of Charlotte, North Carolina provides web design, hosting and domains, digital advertising, social media management, and SEO to all size businesses. From startups to Fortune 500, they have you covered. Talk to Workspace Solutions about a new business idea, a new website for your brand, or their signature product, Digital Presence Management, where they take management of the web and social media off your plate. Visit them at WorkspacePros.com. All right, thanks again to Workspace Solutions um, for making this spot possible. Um, Petty? In a change from in, in a change from all of our previous uh, shows, why don't you bring me a Saturday morning cocktail? Man, and this one is, my mind is still blown. It's A, it's completely appropriate for the season. B, I'm not sure how my mind is, is handling this. Yes, can, Michael can, is correct. Can, are we, am I accurate in saying that this is a Halloween-themed Saturday morning? Yes, it is. It, it came about like a day ago, and we're doing the podcast now. And, it's how, it's, and it wasn't, the thing is, 
it's just about whiskey at first. It just happened to be Halloween related. It's it's amazing how it all came together. But Michael's right. I'm normally a, a crown uh, guy. Uh, I'm a I'm a blended whiskey, or I like Irish whiskey on ice. We talked about that. I like Jameson, but I've been wanting to get into the good whiskey world. I just haven't done it yet, and I never would have expected it to come from of all people, my wife. Um, her and her boss, who Miss Nancy Daly from the great Salt Lake City of Utah, were in Philadelphia this week on a work trip. Um, and they went to a special Saturday night at the History of American Revolution Museum. So it, it's a museum, but they have booths set up and they were doing like cider tastings, which you're going to, I think, what Michael might talk about in future weeks. And they had this one booth that had whiskey at it. Um, I'm going to give a quick backstory. What really makes this unlikely is I've been married to my wife coming up in in December, 15 years. She's had one semi whiskey drink, which was crown Royal black and a Coke icy when we were on our way to the Alabama, Michigan state final four game in Dallas a few years back. And she kind of liked it. Um, getting quick on it, but, uh, look, my wife doesn't drink whiskey. Um, she had one of those moments in college uh, not gonna get, that we all had where there was one of those nights where you drank a few too many drinks of, of some certain kind. Mine is Jägermeister. I can never smell it again. Hers happened to be bourbon and Cokes. She maybe had one too many, didn't, couldn't really smell it for the next 15 years. Um, so when I get a text from my wife saying, hey, do you want me to get this bottle of whiskey? I was like, what are you talking about? She said, hey, I tried it. It's the greatest tasting cocktail i've ever had i almost thought my wife had been abducted by aliens at this point i was like there's who the hell i said who are you who are who is this and she said no and she explained all this the aforementioned stuff about being at the american revolution she said i tried this whiskey daniel and it was the greatest tasting thing i've ever had this whiskey and now i'm about to get to the halloween tie-in so she stumbled upon this it's called the grave robber unholy rye whiskey it comes from the Tamworth Distilling Company, which is based out of Tamworth, New Hampshire, which is the base of very picturesque White Mountain in New Hampshire. And this this group only uses like local on-site ingredients. They've got a really cool story. Um, Grave Rob- And to be clear, to be clear, it seems like a gimmick in the beginning when you're hearing this story, but it's it's a very good whiskey, it seems like. No, that's the thing. When you read this, like Michael said, it seems like one of those things you're buying the bottle and the cute little labeling they put on the bottle. But when you open it up, you're like, holy hell, I just paid for <laughs> I paid for the, the, the casing of the book, but not what was actually in the book. Um well, actually, a little bit of history on it. The Grave Robber, it, it, the Unholy Rye Whiskey is infused with maple syrup tapped from the graveside maple trees. Yeah, you heard that right. Graveside maple trees. On the distillery's property lies a malignant old maple whose roots burrow deep into the nearby unmarked colonial era graveyard. I'm not making this crap up. And isn't there a little bit of suspicion tied to any kind of a maple tree that's in a graveyard and maybe the syrup that comes out of that? Uh, they believe that the roots of these trees are so old that they, the roots, and, and look, this is back in the day where they didn't, when they buried people, it was in wood boxes. It was like you see in the old timey movies. Yeah. So these roots are believed to be all entwined with the grave site. So the roots have sucked up the nutrients. The from trees the decaying, are, yeah, the trees are feeding off of the dead bodies. Of the dead bodies. Okay. Yeah. Basically, I'm drinking dead people. 
If we're, if we're going to get to the nuts and bolts of this, right. these roots of the maple tree have sucked up the dead people's nutrients. They have in, uh, corked these trees and are getting the maple out of it. So, in essence, you're drinking dead people. I, so, I have to you, ask. I have to ask. Uh, I know you've seen... <laughs> sorry, I, I had to jump in. I know you've seen the movie How High, where when they their friend dies and they like oh, grow a plant out of him and they smoke it, they see their friend again. Are you seeing Revolutionary War guys running around in the room while we're doing the podcast right now? I have had several pulls off this this whiskey tonight and i've yet to see any um union shoulders come walking through the door just quite yet giving me some 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 tips well that's disappointing (laughs) like i said man the timing of this for chris to call me first of all my wife who doesn't like whiskey say hey i'm bringing this whiskey it's the greatest thing i've ever tasted i'm not gonna lie it is the i've never I've never drank whiskey and not just tasted fire other than crown and Sprite. I mean, I can drink that down like Kool-Aid. I put this on a, on a, an ice cube. I actually tasted the flavors from one end of my tongue to the other. And then it went down the back of my throat and there was no burn. It was, it is absolutely the best whiskey I've, I've ever had in my life. And I had it tonight. Thanks to my wife. Um, just a quick, I, I don't want to go too long on this, but the story, and like I said, there is the Halloween, the roots grow into a graveyard. Um, so, it, and they, and like I said, it's, it's the grave. So that's why it's called the grave robber because it's getting its nutrients from the grave. It's, it's unholy rye whiskey. So I don't know, man, this is, I came to Michael with it, said, Hey man, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk this. Are you cool with me doing this? And he was all about it. But Petty, I'm excited that you're getting into uh, the high-end whiskey market because there's a lot of fun to be had there. And if we get our pilot friend who we kind of mentioned on here, who's kind of part of the original brain trust, uh, I say original brain trust, brain trust version two, the original brain trust. I don't know if you knew this, uh, started in Birmingham and it was me, my roommate at the time, who's a veterinarian and a good friend of mine who lives in Nashville now, who's a, a you know, real estate property management kind of guy. But we used to get together. We actually, hit the first eight game parlay, $30 to win 5,400. So, you know, we're actually a part of brain trust too. That's what it's called in my phone. Little did you know. I did not know that. Well, for the brain trust, because the, the, the third leg of brain trust too is a complete whiskey snob. And I hope to be diving into that world now that I've tasted this. So for uh, sour beers and whiskey, daddy, you're getting, you're getting indoctrinated now. So (laughs) for those out there that are in that brand and or in that, that lane, I do want to tell a little bit about what flavors I supposedly that I, that I did taste and how they kind of tie this in, because I think this is kind of really up you guys alley, because this is for the first time ever, I I understood where these flavors, I I tasted them. Um, Like I said, it, the 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 they get this they they've tapped into the syrup from the maple tree that that dives in we we've discussed that um laid to rest for three years grave robber unholy rye takes on a layered profile full of charred oak and burnt sugar it's blended with uh cemetery syrup (laughs) with aromas of cinnamon dried orange peel and the exhale is followed by a sensation of rye cracker the taste is did you get a rye cracker feel from that thing I didn't get that. Now I ain't that level yet. I'm not that level yet, guys. I still got a little bit of Southern Sprite on top. I, there's one thing I do not want, and that's the taste. Yeah, I don't of a want rye a rye cracker, cracker in my mouth ever. I, 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 I'm not gonna lie. I got the cinnamon. I got the the, the kind of the sugar burnt in the maple. I, I I tasted all that. Um, 
but apparently the the full bodied however is a sweet yet unholy maple it's supposed to soothe the burn but man you put one piece of ice in there let it soak i love that sound and there was no burn it just went down smooth the crazy thing about this we're talking about it hope hey if you're out there listening and if somebody can get it to the to the tamworth distilling company that we're talking about them this thing is very limited they only i think they only did like five or six um cask of it so it's very they only sell it in pint sizes you can't even get it in a fifth so once it's gone i mean it's 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 a very limited edition and man we got we got a couple bottles of it and it's it's fine my man well i can't wait to get a try we're gonna save um, you one if i happen to pass through if i happen to pass through philadelphia in the next you know year or two i'll see if i can acquire some myself for for me this week my Thursday night cocktail is a Glen Marangi, uh, 12 year single malt. Um, it's the sherry cask mm. finished the La Santa. We're going to do a scotch oh, yeah. episode one day. It's coming up. We, I, what I really have and what I was going to do tonight before Petty brought me this. And I'm really happy he did it because this goes well with, with, Halloween. Yeah, it's Halloweeny. Graveyards and drinking dead people. I'm drinking dead people. I do a little get together with some of my friends uh, where we go and see Christmas lights every year. And it's fun. And this year we're probably going to have a pretty big group. So we're going to get a little bus uh, to take us around and see everything. But the, the key to that is I always make a own little personal recipe of uh, spiked cider. So basically take unfiltered real apple cider because North Carolina is known for its apples and things like that. Right. And I take that cider rum and then a lot of spices and things and really get it kind of holidayed up and create a large batch of that for everyone to enjoy during this, uh, you know, very special holiday occasion. So I'm going to share our cider recipe next week and talk a little bit about that. And then we have another one for everybody to get excited about coming up is going to be, I want to see if I can get at least 90% of my in-laws family's special eggnog recipe and talk a little bit about eggnog before we get into Christmas. So uh, the Saturday morning cocktail is going to be pretty fun coming up. And we really appreciate Petty for taking that off my plate this week and uh, giving us a little bit of a buffer um, so that we can get the holiday stuff in the holiday season like it's supposed to be, right? Oh, man, it was just perfectly timed. And, man, moreover, I appreciate Miss Petty. Hey, man, she, so the wife, he brought it. I actually have in my notes while you were talking to say thanks to uh, Miss Nancy Daly and Mrs. Petty for That's bringing right. my boy Petty onto the train of good whiskey. We're going to have a long, Ooh. happy whiskey life ahead of us now. So this is great. Thank you all. excited. <laughs> Speaking of cocktails. Oh, a cocktail party. There's a cocktail party this weekend, right? There is a cocktail. I think there's a, were we invited? No, I was not we invited. No, I was not I invited. Was not invited. <laughs> no, this cocktail party uh, does not include me or my kind. Well, Dan Mullen did definitely did not send me an invitation. All right. Oh, but let's, see let's talk the world's largest cocktail. We need party. to file for a press pass for this one. <laughs> I would love to go. I, I, I'm not going to lie, Michael. I would love to I've go. I've actually to never been to Florida, Georgia. It's one of the big rivalries I haven't seen live. And I'm a big, like, you know, I'm, I'm a, everybody knows they've, they've figured this out by now that I went to the University of Alabama, I'm a huge Alabama fan, but I am a huge SEC fan and I'm a huge yes. football fan. I've had my picture taken on the 50 yard line of the Boise State Bluefield. You know, like I'm a college football fan. It doesn't matter I'm, what it is. So even sometimes that takes over my Alabama-ness, you know, and the, the Georgia-Florida game is something that I would love to attend. Oh, I, and I hope everybody's – there's no doubt we have mild homerisms or even strong homerisms to the teams we love, but 
we we can balance that out with our overall love for college football. I'm the same way, man. I, I if I get a chance to, to I, I I want to go to an LSU game dressed in purple and gold one time in my life. Great. That's a perfect segue to what I was about to say. I have been to every SEC stadium except for Missouri, right? Because uh-huh. when Texas A&M and Missouri came in, I've been I've been to Texas A&M. Yeah. But I've only been to about six SEC stadiums for an Alabama game. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I was watching LSU, Arkansas, or Auburn and Ole Miss, or you know, seeing all these other games that don't have anything to do with my team and being able to go – uh, as just a, a neutral, fan. Jer- yeah. Oh, it is. It's the best. It's but, the best because it, you always go for the home team. Oh, absolutely. Key. And then everybody there loves you. Yeah. Then you're not. Yeah. No animosity there. Right. It, and exactly. then you can even tell them, "Hey, I'm a noob," and they're, "Oh yeah, let's show you how it's done. Teach me how to do this thing." You like, like I said, when I held up the, I ended up hearing the full story about holding up the uh, three fingers at the South Carolina game, and it was actually not even a South Carolina player. Um, well, long story. We'll talk about yeah, it. Again well, and look, episode, man, I'm but, a, I'm a big proponent of you live this life on this part one time and why take yourself so serious. And I've been to Baton Rouge for a football game because I'm an Ole Miss. I've been to, I've, I've seen Ole Miss and LSU down there, but I, I, I've always enjoyed what I've seen from the purple and gold. And man, why not one night in your life go dress in purple and gold and, and be a lunatic yelling, go Tigers. I'm, I'm guilty of being, I've been to three games at Tiger stadium and none of them involved. Alabama. <laughs> So you probably loved that. You absolutely loved oh, it. I've been I've been a shit faced LSU fan. It's three awesome. different times. I wanted I want to do it, and I'm sorry if if that yeah. makes me no, a not fine. a real fan. Then to hell with it. Um, it's fun. I mean, it would probably even be fun to put a pig on your head and go to Arkansas on a weekend if they could actually win a game. But <laughs> I don't know if I could do the woo pig, man. That just is so I don't know weird. if I could go that far. That's too much. If a right? fact, Arkansas might be the the lone ranger out there that I can't. Do, I still do can't. That. Well, te- Texas A&M and Arkansas can hang out in that two west to be the SEC uh, group that has weird traditions and hand signals. Oh yeah, and, stuff like and that. I'm not going to ring a bell like hell. Mm-mm. Um. Okay. We're, once again, we have got. We digress. We, we've digressed greatly. The cocktail party, big takeaway from this um, is G- Georgia's offensive coordinator. If he doesn't get something figured out, it could be a long day in Jacksonville for Georgia because guess what, Georgia? Florida has a legit defense and they're very opportun- opportunistic in the secondary. You turn the ball over like you did or, or you're careless with it like you were against South Carolina, it, it could be another long day. Um, however, Here's my take. Here's my take on this really quick. I've handicapped Georgia several times, okay? Their defense is Oh, great. absolutely. They had lights out, fantastic defense. Florida is going to have a freaking nightmare trying to move the ball on them, especially after they've lost the game. So they, they've only played one game, but they're, you know, they had, there's been zero points scored on them since they lost that game, and that's something you can use to motivate you and to keep you rolling. And, you know, getting everybody to believe the same thing is important. I'll tell you, that's great. On the other hand, if Georgia's offensive coordinator does not go out there and run the ball in a power downhill running game, you saw Michigan run all over Notre Michigan Dame, did like exactly Georgia what Georgia was, was supposed do. to do against Notre Dame. And every single one of us knows Georgia could do oh, that if they were to get it back. And you handed any other quarterback the keys to that or any other offensive coordinator the keys to that offense. So that was an anomaly. And I do think they learned a lesson from that. Now, on the other hand, they only scored 21 points in their their lone game since they lost. Against Kentucky. Vanderbilt, they were playing. No, Kentucky. Or excuse me, Kentucky. Yeah, so they beat Kentucky 21-0. 
which is way more than what we could say for Florida did. Yeah, almost, almost lost to Florida them. struggled their brains out. So I do think you have a motivated Georgia team on your hands, but. If their offensive coordinator is stupid, and this is Nick why I didn't Coley. pick this game. If, if if I was offensive coordinator for this team, I would pick Georgia, and it would be we'd all win money because I would run power. I would power run at them. I would control the Let game. My defense put and them I would the know their spots. offense cannot score on us, and we would get some points out with a very very accurate quarterback that can play a little bit of football. I would run and play action. That's what I would do the whole game, and I'd win this game seventeen yeah, to seven, absolutely. Or something like that, right? That's how I would play this out. If he tries to get cute, Florida wins this game. So I can't, uh, you know, I know who should win, but I can't tell you who will win. I, I agree. I think Georgia should win because they got more talent. And that kind of brought me to my next point. Are, are we being somewhat hypocritical because we expect more from Georgia? Because on the flip side, every game Florida wins is as ugly as you can ever get. Their offense never looks good. It's just are we expecting more from Georgia because of the talent that, that Kirby's amassed? Because there is no doubt. Like, if the team that's supposed to win wins it wins this game, Georgia wins this game. They're the better football team. I'm going to tell you something, Petty. I am expecting less from Georgia because if you had brought this game to me as game one of the year, I would have said Georgia wins this one by 28. Oh, absolutely. Points. Walking away, easy walks away with this. So I am actually underestimating my own evaluation of Georgia because of my lack of confidence in their offensive coordinator. This is trash. And I don't know. And we talked about this. I'm not sure if it's his fault or if it's Kirby's fault. Is Kirby hamstringing this guy and saying, look, I need you to control the ball or whatever. You know, one thing you have to do with an offensive coordinator is let them play their game. And if you're a defensive coach, it's your job to adjust to that. Right. If Kirby's doing that, he didn't pay attention to his former boss. Because the right. one, no, the exactly. one, the one thing that that his former boss did was even when it pained him to let Lane Kiffin run away with offense, the hard headedest guy. He, on he, earth. he let his offensive coordinator run his offense, and, and I don't maybe ham, Saban. I, I don't think he's hamstringing his offensive coordinators because they throw the ball all over the yard now, and that's not his. Well, he that's hamstrings not his the offensive coordinators that need to be hamstrung. Like when we're coming up with McElwain and some of those guys, those are system coordinators we just need you to run the ball and throw the occasional play action pass and that's what i would go to if i was georgia's guy right i don't know we'll see if coley's got us if coley's got a game plan they're the better team they can definitely beat florida well I, i'm really surprised petty and i'm almost kind of pissed off that you didn't put this next game first <laughs> because this is this is the epitome of good football right here won't you tell me about game number two? miami florida state Wide is this Miami of Ohio? Are we talking Miami of Ohio? Is this Roethlisberger? No, man, we're talking. Um, we're talking nineteen. I do this a lot. I like to go back to the nineties. If you haven't noticed, but <laughs> we're gonna party like it's nineteen ninety five, and Casey Weldon is about to to kick one wide left. Um, or was it right? I think he was always wide right. Well, I, dude, there was a lot of wide. Dude, I remember no, there just being a lot of wide. I actually, what game. caught me, Michael, to be honest, I saw this game and I was like, Miami, Florida State. And it was almost like, what a it shame. was almost like I heard, um, oh man, I was going to say some, some generic 90s band that wasn't completely famous that just kind of got you in the feels. Maybe some, some, uh, color me bad. Uh, I want to sex you <clears> up. I'm like, yeah. oh man, I remember when that was awesome, but it's not awesome anymore. Yeah. I don't know if there's a bigger fall from grace for a major rivalry in my childhood than Miami, Florida State. This used to be the must-see game of college football in the 90s. It was almost like two pro teams were playing. Hold on. I love to always perspective you because you make me think you're like, man, is there a bigger fall? And I don't know if there's another two teams playing together, but can you think of anybody good that played Nebraska in the 90s? 
Because if you can think of anybody that was good in Nebraska, because that's a fall o- Oklahoma. Because holy, but they don't cow. even play that game. Yeah, anymore. but Oklahoma's yeah. still good. Well, and that's Oklahoma's the only other option good. that I could think about was Bama UT. But it's mainly because UT sucks now. Bama's, Bama's still, still also. Yeah. It's not Bama's yeah. fault that rivalry sucks. If we'd had this story in 2003, you'd be like, well, we can't have this conversation because Alabama sucks so bad. You know, like how weird is that? Yeah, but yeah. Bama would still find ways to win it. UT can't even do that now. Um, Dude, I remember three and eight twice while we were in college. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were some rough days. I remember us starting the the year after uh, Tom Brady whips our butt in '99. We start the year as the preseason number two, and we get beat by La Tech and a ton of other people in Central Florida, that, that year. And UCLA. Yeah. Hey, y'all, y'all still yeah. beat Ole Miss forty-two to six. That was hey. You need to say we because you were. I was a at Alabama student at that university at the time. <laughs> but on the flip side, though, UT was good then. So at some point, one of those two teams has been good. I can't believe how bad both of these teams have fallen. Because again, You're man, exactly in, right. in the in the nineties, I loved. There was teams that almost seemed like different level, and these were two of them. Um, and and it's, there are three. There are three states in the United States where if you become a football coach in that state, you're going to have enough talent to field a championship level team. And it's Florida, Louisiana, and Texas. Yeah. And if you have if you have a, a school there, you should be able to succeed in amazing ways. Even if you, Florida has like nine colleges yeah. and still should supply them all. football. And and still supplies Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, and everybody else. Oh, everybody's got a, t- a, a starter. Everybody's got a Ole Miss's mm-hmm. best receiver is from Florida. <laughs> it's uh, everybody's got I'm a Florida saying. player. Like IMG sends out like you oh know, yeah eleven five stars. Apoca and all so. those teams, but. Yeah. I, I so, guess what caught me is the, how sad it is that this game isn't once what it was. But that's why it's sad that Miami and Florida State are not even the top five best teams in their state. It's pretty no. gross. And by the way, Miami's going to win this game. Um, and like, oh, good. I like I like some of that. Well, I hate Willie Taggart. I think he's terrible. And but he is Diaz, a Tupac fan. Manny Diaz is a very uh, Francione-like character, so I don't know. He might be cursed a little Actually, bit. Actually, you know what? That's how um, – we should determine this game on who, what band they picked is who's going to win. And right now, I might have to switch my pick oh, to... Um, dude, let's do a bracket. Let's do... For next week, we have to do this. We got to put together a bracket of all the teams that are playing and they're uh, with the band. And whichever band's better, we pick all of our picks okay. based on the band. So, so like Willie this. Taggart is Tupac and Manny Diaz... Oh, hell. I, I've changed my pick. Manny Diaz is you too. So we're going with Florida. We're, oh, we're yeah. going we're Florida going State. Tupac. We're going yeah. Tupac. Florida State, Florida State this wins this game. I just completely switched. What if this turns out to be the best system in college football <laughs> betting history? <laughs> we have just broke the code. It's over what We've what coach it. likes the better band. I love it. Speaking of of codes and weirdos, how about uh, the Grass Eater and Kansas State coming up in a big game after K State just showed our boy Jalen. What it's like to lose in the big boy. I tell you what, man, climbing, climbing. Like we we've talked about him a little bit throughout the podcast. He came from one of those small schools. Great coach, and and man, he took over for pretty much. I guess you call him a legend at K State because he was there for eighty years, Snyder. Uh, but he he kind of was. I mean, he didn't win at saving level legends, but he was always really good at K State. And man, this guy's is really winning. Like you said, just beat Oklahoma. But to this week on Halloween, he's got our boy the Mad Hatter. Um. You just beat Oklahoma, and you're only a six-point favorite over a Kansas team that hadn't gone bowling since I was three. 
This is this may be my WTF line of the week. The Mad Hatter got me on Friday the 13th. I'm not sure I'm going to let him get me on Halloween. But not just that, man. The Mad Hatter's offense has put up 500 yards of offense the last two weeks, and they've been slightly Hold on. Hold on. Is this the holiday lock of the week? Oh, my God, because we've already had – we got burned yep. by the Friday the 13th, which is basically – this is the holiday lock of the week. This is Kansas. <laughs> I'm all I over love Kansas. It. I freaking love that. Yeah, and we do have another WTF yep. line coming but, up later that, that we didn't figure out was a WTF and still we started. If you believe in weird <laughs> shit that has nothing to do with actual football, this is the game you want to pick this week. <laughs> you want to bet on the Mad Hatter. That is the best way to gamble oh, yeah. as far as I'm concerned because it is a, it's a fickle world out there. Trust yourself. Don't be – here's my recommendation for gambling. Trust your thoughts and never be a contrarian. Because if you start just being contrarian all the time, you can't learn and you can't be good. Because you get hot, and Petty and I no. both fell for this. You get hot, and then you and go then you take Wisconsin because you, you think it's too against obvious. Ohio State. Yes, you take anybody against Ohio State at this point, right now, until they get to the playoffs. Unless they set the line at sixty, I'm not no. taking that was anybody that was a contrarian pick, and I won't, I will not do it again. I'm not doing that. I'm not stupid again. I'm off. I'm yeah. off. Well, let's go to the next one. What about uh, SMU and Memphis? Game day is at SMU and Memphis. If you would have told me that before the season, I would have said the apocalypse is coming. But uh, SMU's coach is a huge Dave Matthews fan, so it's not shocking that they're Man. badass. Uh, Mike Norvell at Memphis has actually got a pretty solid one himself. Um, uh, Mike Norvell is a Tom Petty fan. He's a fan of my cousin. So you got my cousin and my favorite band. Facing off. I, I can't even. I don't. Is Tom Petty your cousin? No. Okay. Well, that would have been cool. Um, is he P E T T E Y or is he just Y? He's Y. It screwed yeah. me out of any kind of God. inheritance. You know, Damn Bob it. Barker's cool too, but I'm not related to him. And on the bright side, <laughs> he slapped a lot of women or something. So, uh, you know, screw you, Bob. He was always he was always around a lot of young young women in bikinis. He did a uh, he did a fantastic job in Happy Gilmore. I really he did. Uh, want to commend him for keeping up with the Price Barker is name. Wrong, bitch. <laughs> uh, SMU at Memphis. Uh, I'm really I, I dig this game for a lot of this reasons. This is the first outside. game when I saw the lines. This is the one that I picked out that I would looked at it and I was like I like a certain team and it's in my pick three um I'm not gonna lie I think Michael almost put this one in immediately to beat me to the punch I did actually do that to beat you to the punch (laughs) because I knew when you saw it you would take it too and I was like Petty's gonna take that one so I went ahead and put that one in on Monday so that when he went into the sheet then then I don't really want to get a break into the line because my breakdown would take away from Michael's picks because this this no I love let's hear the breakdown I prefer your take well, I, I tell you what, man, SMU, they, they've got the transfer, Bruchelle from, from Texas, who's absolutely been lighting it up. I think Memphis is getting love in here. Uh, look, Vegas isn't above um, giving a team some points based off what they think fan perception is. Memphis has been, look, one of the, the best non-Power 5 teams in college football the last several years. They put up a lot of points. The only team that they can't really get, they couldn't get over the hump was against UCF. So I think that Vegas is, is, is going to, is is assuming that Memphis is going to get love for that reason. Look, man, SMU's the better team here, and they're a six-point underdog. I would take I, – I, again, I don't want to give away the picks, but I, I like I like SMU straight up in this game. Well, I feel like SMU has been playing better competition this year. Yep. Memphis' best game is probably Ole Miss. Yeah, when Ole Miss was – Ole Miss is not great, and they were really discombobulated that day. They were very bad in the beginning of the year. Um, 
I think you're under the table and dreaming if you think Memphis is going to win this game. <laughs> if y'all didn't get that reference, I'm sorry, but that was sweet. Um, right, nailed it. Memphis doesn't have the quarterback they've had in the line. They've had quarterbacks that can stretch the field. They've got a quarterback now that that can't stretch the field. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm probably going to eat my words, and it's in Memphis, which that don't matter, but. Uh, I'm all over SMU in this one. So maybe I am under the table, you know. Maybe we all are. Maybe we're all maybe Maybe we, we should deserve, take these chances. Maybe we maybe we should take these chances. Maybe we deserve the Charles Darwin Life Champion Award for this pick. Who knows? But on that note, at a strong 21 minutes late, let's Shit. get into our Charles Darwin Life Champion Award presented by our best friend over at Custom Plumbing and Gas Fitters. And let's hear a quick word uh, from those guys. Custom Plumbing and Gas Fitters of Tuscaloosa, Alabama are your licensed, insured, and bonded plumbers and gas fitters. They are quality leaders in residential and commercial, new construction and renovation. Contact David at 205-534-2800 and mention Week Zero Podcast for a custom plumbing t-shirt when your job is complete. Again, that's 205-534-2800. All right, thanks again, David and Custom Plumbing for bringing us the Darwin Life Champion Award. Um, Petty, this is your baby. Uh, let's 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 get to it. First off, we had a strong showing last week. Um, I know you've tabulated the votes. Who came out on top? Who came out on top last week? All right, just a quick recap on last week. We had the woman who injected uh, fruit juice into her veins. We had the other lady who uh, live-streamed a DUI crash. And then we had the moron who walked 351 miles to get arrested. Look, I'm never going to not give nothing but love to our our, our loyal supporters. This is one time, though, guys, I'm going to have to disagree with you. The runaway winner on the votes was the lady who injected juice into her vein. Which, look, I'm not going to disagree. That's a that's a great vote. She's an idiot. She, to be fair, it got my vote. But if you're walking 351 miles to get arrested, maybe. Well, if it got Michael's vote, I'm the I'm I'm the odd guy out here. But man, my vote was going towards the guy that walked 351 miles only to get arrested because he thought he was meeting a 14 year old girl. I love that opinion too. And that's beautiful. That's the beautiful thing about us, Petty, is that we don't, we're not no. group think here. We, we no. actually have differing opinions sometimes. Sometimes we agree. If we agree on a football game, you need to bet against that. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, but my life champion and y'all's life champion is different. But guess what? We're all life champions here because we're talking Darwin. Right. Uh, and you know what? We got some good stuff coming yep. for it this week. So. I'm going to micro-machine this for you people. Uh, Darwin number one comes out of Texas. A Texas sheriff blasts immigrants as drunks. And a day later, a son got busted from public intoxication. A day after Texas sheriff caused an uproar by referring to undocumented immigrants as drunks, his son was reportedly arrested on charges of public intoxication and indecent exposure. Good job, idiot. (laughs) Got drunk and showed people his thingy. Tarrant County Sheriff Bill Wayborn... And if you've seen this picture, he looks like he's straight out of um, the oh, damn it, Smokey and the Bandit. The, he's the, uh, the Elmer T out of Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, he went on. He went to Washington on Thursday to protest a court ruling affecting immigrants charged with driving under the influence. These drunks will run over your children, and they'll run over my children. He said, according to the Dallas uh, Morning News, on Friday, his adopted son, Sergi who was arrested for trespassing and assault, found himself in cuffs, cuffs again. 
In a statement, the sheriff said he was deeply saddened by Sergi's choices and that he was estranged from the family. So he kicked him out. Um, was he saddened by his choices because the idiot made the comments he did the day before, or was he saddened because his son's an idiot? Yeah, well, you know, Sergi, probably. Sergi. Sergi, like Fergie, but with Serg. I can't believe this. I'm sorry, man. I'm stereotyping here, but this dude literally looks like Elmer T. Fudd, and he has a son named Sergi, and he's talking about drunk guys. You know, this is he's 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 clearly a politician style police if, officer. So he's he's not he's not high on the people we would like to emulate. It, uh, if he doesn't order. win the Darwin Award, it may be like one of those beauty contests where they give Miss Congeniality. He may get the uh, Karma Award, like the. He got to get the Miss Miss, Miss Karma, Miss Karma yeah, like of, of the ep- yeah. <laughs> All right, very good. Well, we might bring out a couple uh, side awards <laughs> for the end of the year for you know honorable mentions uh, and such, more creative ways to say that. But what's number two? Uh, number two, good gracious, alive! I don't even know how I'm getting <laughs> Nike Jesus trainers injected with holy water from the Jordan River, costing three thousand dollars, sell out in minutes. A limited edition <laughs> Nike Air Max 97 trainer filled with water from the Jordan River in the soles has been released by Brooklyn-based company MSCHF. The trainers have been also called Jesus Shoes. And despite a price tag of $3,000 per pair, because that's how Jesus would want to do it. He'd want to just make a huge Jesus price. He was all about pro- Jesus 3, was all about profit. Um, he was all about $3,000 Yeah, he was all about money. Shoes. Um, the shoes yeah. sold out within minutes. The trainers are injected with 60 cc's of water from the Jordan River. I'm going to get to that in just a second. And are reportedly blessed by a priest. Oh, even better. I don't. Okay. I somehow miss it. Incredible. However, fewer than two dozen pairs in the MSCFH t- by INRI Jesus Shoes have been made. The INRI part of the name represents the Latin inscription, which translates to Jesus the Nazarene, King of the Jews. All right. But it that seems, sounds reasonable. First reasonable thing that we've heard so far. The trainers have been designed from all white Nike Air Max 97s. However, the Nike's not affiliated with the cre- creation of the limited edition shoe. It has been reported by designers that they were brought to the trainers at retail value and then repurposed them with handcrafted design. They have their hope that the, the trainer would give the illusion of walking on water. The water has been injected into the sole of the shoes and has been given a blue coloring to enhance visibility. Oh, so it's been colorized. So it's been tainted. Oh, yeah. And check this out. Various other Christian symbols are also featured on the trainers. A single red dot symbolizing Jesus's blood, frankincense scented insults, and a crucifix attached to the laces. And that, my friend, is how you close down a exploitation oh, of a group gosh. of people uh, for $3,000 used- a pair. All of like the major Christian symbols to turn a profit for probably one of the most immoral companies in all of the planet. We're talking about a company that employs thousands of Malaysian kids at slave poverty wages to build these shoes. And let's talk about all these kids together don't make what Michael Jordan still makes while not playing sports just by being affiliated with Nike. And these kids are building the shoes. And look, in closing, this is one of the Darwins we could probably talk a lot about because there's so many angles to it. Um, first of all, we're talking about Nike, not one of the most upfront companies. You're trusting that they're putting holy water into these shoes that they've now dyed blue. 
the Darwin in this is obviously the morons that bought three thousand dollars shoes that have Black Warrior uh, River water in them <laughs> that have been dyed blue. <laughs> I would say, I would say, two to one odds this water came out of a that sink. Der- yeah from Boston or I, I don't know. <laughs> But I do take serious offense yeah. to the fact that they used uh, uh, Christ symbols and Christian symbols to make tons of money off people knowing what we know about Nike and the type of corporation they of are. Course. So the Darwin is the people that bought it, but Nike, God bless, could you suck anymore at times? Yeah, exploitation yep. is what that's all about. Um, but Nike, in their defense, didn't have anything to do with putting the holy water. This was this. Oh, that was a side company? CHF company that did this. Yeah, they're the real, you know, Hucksters. They're the, the snake snake oil salesman. Yeah, this is trash. Uh, three thousand dollars shoes are dumb in any event, and tying Jesus' name to three thousand dollars shoes is the biggest slap in the face to anything Jesus see that ever. And what was. person that so, has enough money that believes believe that it would be you figure people with enough money to buy that would be smart enough to never mind. All right. That's all. All right, Darwin number three. <laughs> no, no, we all know you don't have to Very be true. smart to have money. Money, you know, you can be smart to get money, but it is not, you know, those are not you know, hundred percent unified there. So. Darwin three, Darwin three. Here After a one week hiatus, I feel like we've uh, done an injustice to the state, but they're still lingering around there. As a uh, uh, our Florida man returns to the Darwins. Oh yeah, oh, well we, we missed God. them last I'm week, so, so we're, we're going to give them a little love this week. Uh, down in the West Palm Beach area of Florida, because you know they hit up all parts of the state. A Florida man learned that even if you've been hoodwinked by crooks, sometimes it's best just to shut your mouth, even when the cop is trying to give you an out. John Single, 50, found out the hard way on March 22nd when he called West Palm Beach police to report that he had been scammed after paying for sex and then never receiving the so-called activity. According to W. Uh, PTV, Siegel said he offered four different women $500 or at least one of them to come to his hotel room for some relations. Single said he was made uh, said he was made the call to the cops after the people he gave the money to, so he gave the money, did not show up. The officer on the scene asked Single, hey buddy, just to confirm that you were solicit, uh, soliciting another person for sex, did you do it? And I can only imagine the cop is like, hey, buddy, I, I, in that I'm giving you an outlook. I'm did trying to you say, do don't this say as yes. he's shaking his head. No, of course, Single was like, well, yeah, I did it, man. I was wanting some loving and I didn't get it. Damn it. Oh, dear. God, I, I have a hard time thinking that he's not going to win the Darwin Award. The cop tried to get him out of it. You know, when the cop walks up to you, he's like, are you sure you're guilty of soliciting We don't. You didn't hooker? get the loving. There's no money trail. We don't have to do this. I don't have to do paperwork. I don't have to take you to jail. Nobody, Please, man. She, sir. I gave her $500 and she didn't give me sex. God dang it. You're going to. All right. Oh, Laura, dear. You're. Oh, God. This is almost a guaranteed win, but we will put every single Darwin Award out there, the whole story, so you guys can judge for yourselves because, you know, we're growing our votes. Uh, we had a, a huge, we yeah. got we got outvoted this week. Uh, Petty. Yeah, I got, yeah I, got, I got I got outvoted this week. We'll see. So this is great. So we want to we want to hear more from you guys. Uh, it feels like we're kind of starting to get a little traction with the Darwins. People like that stuff. And also, uh, quick opportunity for me to plug our new Reddit uh, 
site. So most of you probably have never been on Reddit. If you want to be ahead of the news, that's where it kind of gets out and people toss out ideas and get reactions before they write their articles a lot of times. And it's also full of a bunch of trolls and nerds and stuff like that. But um, if you get on reddit.com slash R, which is a subreddit, so every subreddit would be slash R slash. So reddit.com slash R slash week zero. Um, you can join the discussion about any of our episodes. We have our own little you know, Reddit page in there. And it will also allow you to get in tune with what's going on in that platform because there's a lot of, you know, for people that are kind of information junkies like us, it's a good place to look around. So uh, make sure you go over there and follow our, join our Reddit community, r slash week zero. And that brings us to um, what you would think might not be my favorite segment this week but i <laughs> still actually it. love it i feel i feel better about my picks this week than i did last week because i'm going to listen to myself and not and this might be the week for contrarians and i'll get burned again but if that's the case screw it you know i'm doomed so let's get into it <laughs> presented by dreamwork financial group and let's take a second to get a word from them dreamwork financial group of birmingham alabama is a registered investment advisory and fee-only fiduciary they offer personalized portfolios, wealth management, and custom investment funds. Chief Financial Strategist Clint Kirby says, don't settle for an ETF or a mutual fund when you can own the underlying stocks. Check out their Spectre and Tempo funds at dreamwork.financial slash week zero. Uh, disclaimer, investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy. All right. Thank you very much, Dreamwork Financial Group, for making this segment possible. Um, my co-host Petty and I, and a good friend of ours from, um, Smith Infinity of Huntsville. North Alabama. Yeah. He's our NFL guru. Um, man named Justin. If anybody knows him, let us know. But, uh, we picked three against the spread and we came up with our record all season. So, uh, Petty, what do you got for me this week? All right, man. I know we've been running long, so I'm going to quickly go through these. Uh, my first pick, uh, going back to the cocktail party, and I'm sorry for my Georgia buddy out there. Hope y'all still, I hope y'all still win this game. But the line six right now, uh, the, 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 I guess I get help with this, so there's not a tie. One of them I'm not going to get help with, so I don't think I'm getting help on all these. Uh, the Gators plus six and a half. I, I do like Georgia to win it, but I do think this is based off the defenses like we talked about. I think this is going to be a nail-biter. I think this is going to be a three, four-point game. Um, hopefully it goes Georgia's way, but the Gators cover. So you think this is going to be a close game. I like that. Uh, like I said earlier, I don't want to pick a side on this because I don't know if the Georgia offensive coordinator has uh, you know, gotten out of concussion protocol to <laughs> quote our boy Greg McElroy. Yeah, Greg McElroy's right? concussion protocol. But, uh, you know, only explanation if, if that's the only explanation for how bad the Georgia offense has been lately with the talent that they have, the offensive line and the skill position. So, um, telling me you've got freshman wide receivers, I shut up. Shut that's up. not an excuse. Freshman wide receivers can be awesome. I've seen a lot of them lately. So, all you have to do is throw them open. So, anyway, cocktail I'm, party, I cocktail would normally. Party take Georgia walking away on this, but the problem is I don't trust the Georgia, Georgia offensive coordinator, so I'm with you. Not to win by seven, I don't. I, I trust yeah. them to probably win, but not, not by seven. And I'll be honest, and I, I don't have this in my pick, I, 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 I debated also taking under 44 in this game because I think it's just going to be a defensive s stalemate. 
Um, oh God, I bet you the Georgia defense is lights out. Oh yeah. And if Georgia tries to get cute and throw the ball, Florida will intercept the ball two or three uh, times. Yeah. So what if Georgia runs and there you go, power running game, they will win this game by 21. But if they don't, they're in for a long day and yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. So I'm not getting into it. Yeah. I like that you have the uh, cojones to pick it though. Yeah. Probably. Dan Mullen, I'm prepared for you to screw me over, buddy. Yeah. Um, you deserve that. Uh, my WTF line of the week, and I would normally do this third, but I always do the team I'm uh, playing in my third pick last uh, for personal reasons. But my WTF line, I I like Kansas plus six and a half. Uh, Kansas State coming off the big win at Oklahoma. Mad Hatter's team's putting up some offense. They're actually – they almost beat Texas themselves a couple weeks ago. They're not great, but they are playing better. And like I said, I expect more of a letdown from Kansas State and it being in Kansas. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm expecting a close game here. Could be dead wrong, but uh, I'm going with, I'm going with the Mad Hatter on Halloween, or two days after, whatever. Six foot, six, six and a half. How funny is it that we are uh, picking or that we're actually leaning toward the Mad Hatter because of offense? <laughs> it, but he's put up over 500 yards of offense two weeks in a row. And look, man. Isn't that crazy? We know, we know how. I mean, they, and Kansas State is one of the maybe better defensive teams in, in the Big 12, but it's still the Big 12. That's all relative. Dude, I like it. All right. So, all right. Uh, talk to me about talk to me about your last homer pick of the day. I usually put – my final pick is a homer pick and my Rebels last, but I'm actually going to have to call this my non-homer pick. I'm actually taking Auburn. It, the line's 19, but I got to bump it up for the tie, or do I get it to go down? Is it 18 and a half or 19 and a half? If it's 19, you get to buy it down to 18 Okay, and a half. so 18 and a half. Um, Look at you, two weeks winning on the, the Chinese policy that you hate. Yeah, uh, it helped yeah. me out. How's that feel? It didn't matter last week, like we said. It was nowhere close. To when, plan, when you're so. not very good at, at the hut-hut, um, most games are a bad matchup, but I think this game is an especially bad matchup. What I saw from Rich Rod's offense against Texas A&M, if he brings that same sort of game plan and quarterback rotation against Auburn's defense, I don't expect Ole Miss to score out of the double digits. My only hope for, for Ole Miss had been that you guys played, and you're going to have to remind me of his name, the quarterback Tisdale. Tisdale. Who's right? now in the transfer portal? Um, that's all I'm saying is my hopes for you guys is that you would just go all in on him because the two or three passes and the three or four plays that I saw from him were the most hopeful things I had seen from Ole Miss in, in at least in at least 16 months. And that's going back to this past season with all the turmoil and all that. Because, look, I am incredibly – tied in to the Ole Miss program. I want this team to do well. Like so now I'm watching Ole Miss like I watch Alabama because part of my family is now Ole Miss. You know, 50% of my family is full on Ole Miss. So my ass had better jump in line on that. And they better be nice to me when we start talking to Alabama too. I know y'all are listening. <laughs> but uh but all honesty aside, this is this is the truth for me. I need Ole Miss to do well, and I'm going to start talking about them like I talked about Alabama in the DeBose years when I was going to school there watching it. Uh, everything's in place. Great campus. Easy to recruit there. The prettiest girls in the entire conference, and that is unquestionable. I don't, talk to me about that. Anybody wants to come and argue me that Ole Miss doesn't have the prettiest girls in the SEC? I 
I fully think? agree outside, outside outside of, of the Crimsonettes at Alabama. Outside of your wife, well, she was she was like yeah, she was notch, she was though, you know if you're in the upper echelon because yeah. she was a Crimsonette or whatever. So I mean, obviously that's still up there, but just we're talking but, general, but pop general here. population you know, per per capita. Look, my I, I got to give love to my Crimsonette, but per capita, nothing beats Ole Miss. It's it's they they no, it is the, it the is. old saying it in Oxford is they red shirt Miss Americas and. It is. It is. It's. It's. Yes. It's a. It is a honey pot. It is a honey pot. And I always said that. And the fact that I married a girl from Ole Miss <laughs> is perfect because I always knew that's where the prettiest ones came from. You know. So, and when I was like, when I met her, she was like, I went to Ole Miss. We like, just had a Bama fans bias <laughs> turn pull one eighty towards bias towards my rebels, and I kind of like it. But but Michael, let oh, let look, me. I'm telling you, but I care. And the moral of the story is I care. And letting that guy go was a bad, terrible bad mistake. mistake. Even if you lost games with that guy out there, you had some excitement. I mean, he threw and dimes, dude. He's going to end up and at being some, all American. Some fuck, watch this. He's going to end up at a school and he's going to be awesome. And we're not going to make fun of him because they didn't no, they, give him a chance. You, you nailed it yeah. right there. And look, first, let me give you a warning. If you're if you're going to start watching Ole Miss in, in the vein that you do Alabama, be prepared to have your heart broken. And I hope you're I hope you got a lot of strong whiskey. Petty. Petty. I went to school at Alabama. I was with you in the three and eight years. And I also played on a football team that went oh, one in 10 and oh, oh and 11. So I'm a very good loser. Uh, well, then, then you understand it, but I, I do totally agree with yes. you. This was a year and not to, the, the Ole Miss podcast I listened to has mentioned this several times that the NCAA credit card bill was due, that this was going to be a year that we were going to take some lumps. So in a year like that, Here's my thing. The Plumley kid, he also plays baseball. You could have redshirted him. He wasn't going to transfer. But when you've got a room of four quarterbacks, one of them's going to transfer. The most likely in that entire group was Tisdale. He was a four-star kid out of Allen, Texas, one of the biggest schools, and he had expectations. Coming out of spring practice, he needed a chance to play. They needed to let him live or die there and say, look, when we go out, be like, look, if we're going to go all the way to Texas to get a kid to move here, we're going to give him a chance. Well, and what have you got to lose? You're not going to a bowl. You're not beating the Alabamas of the world. Why not see what this kid's got? All you've got to lose is somebody's opinion in the that some booster is like, Oh yeah, this Plumley kid. He's really he's well. Really, who was the who was the original redshirt freshman that started this year? What's his uh, name? Corral, and then he got injured. So Corral. what do you expect? Is your your number? What? Well, why no. was he ever ever on well, the field? He, there was no reason for that. Talent. And here's the deal. And he was the, the oldest in the room. A redshirt freshman's the oldest in the room. But it doesn't. Here's the thing, Michael. When you're numbered, when you're not, I would have pressed him if I'd been the coach. I'd have pressed him with a younger kid. I would have started rotating everybody and been like, "Look, this is why well, that, that that goes into the coaching debate." And that's my problem. You know, you weren't going to lose Plumley. You weren't going to lose Kincaid Dent. The Kincaid Dent, the kid from JA. The only one you had a chance of losing was the one you didn't give a chance, who was number two on the depth chart leaving the spring. And like you said, the only time you saw him was in mop-up duty in the Bama game where he threw two straight dimes and one for a touchdown. But that, like I said, I, I don't have a problem. When I, when I look at the NFL, I see a lot of people in the passing attack that were Ole Miss players that – were utilized well or not, but you have the talent on the edges for that to be. Oh, Ole Miss had 
Ole Miss had you three know, receiver score touchdowns in NFL. Ole Miss has a passing history. You can get a quarterback, a gunslinger in there. You've proved it. Your last starting quarterback's up at Michigan right now. You have proven that you can get that kind of arm talent in there because you have some of the best receivers like Metcalf in the NFL. And two touchdowns. Right now, sleeper fantasy. Two touchdowns guy. This last week. I mean, and he's so they're like, if we can get the ball in his hand, he's a AJ, AJ Brown. So game winning touchdown for Tennessee. Yeah, AJ Brown. And you Evan go Ingram back, you go back to Deuce McAllister's Evan Ingram's on my team well, right now. So these guys, you have you have the talent on the edges. If you put a quarterback back there that needs a little bit of a thing, and the fact that, and I'll take it all the way back to the 90s and say the fact that Brett Favre, a guy because he was a country kid, didn't get any didn't get any offers at any of the prestige schools in Mississippi is the problem. You have a talent bed there. You have a talent bed in Mississippi, but there's a prestige well, issue that's going on, and it's the Texas problem that I talk about. It's not about who's the best. It's well, about who's got the best like ends to the program. I will say one of the little-known facts about Favre, though, is he came from an offense that his dad ran, which was like the wing tee. He, didn't, he threw the ball like four times his senior year. However, yes. we are talking about a state that had Walter Payton, who's considered one of the greatest running backs of all time, who played at Jackson State. Jerry Rice, who's considered the greatest receiver of all time, who played at Mississippi Valley State, but ran a 4-6, so nobody wanted him. But, man, we're, we're getting – and I'm sorry to the podcast land because we're getting into my old Miss world. I'm going to edit this. Guys, I want to make a promise to you and I'm going to put this in the show I'm going to edit this down to an hour and a half and we're going to get an hour and a half show but there, there are going to be some incredible outtakes from this episode well, so when the end of the football season comes out you guys are going to get a treat I'm about to give you a hot take um, Rich Rodriguez could be single-handedly destroying what you just talked about and Ole Miss's skill position players. Okay, Rodriguez likes to run the ball. We've got a kid in Tisdale who was a star in the state of Texas. He was number two on the depth chart, and all of a sudden when, when Corral gets hurt, you see Plumley come in. Plumley, uh, I think he's like less than 40% passing right now. The, the kid's a great runner. He fits the Rich Rodriguez run the off run the ball mold, but he's not a very accurate passer. Well, Ole Miss, like Michael had mentioned, has had the DK Metcalfs, the AJ Browns, the the Marcus Lodge, the the Evan Ingrams. They've had they're not Alabama, but man, they've had straight you know first round talent uh, offensive players. And that's what the team has been recruited for. And that's what Tisdale is. That's what Corral is. Well, you bring Plumley in, and now you lose Tisdale, and you've got all these receivers out there that aren't catching passes. Is Rodriguez committed to being at Ole Miss? I, I mean, my thought is, you know, and Rodriguez thinks he's a head coach. So how long is he going to be in Oxford? Are you going to let him come in for one year and completely <sighs> – not destroy, but completely knock out of whack what you've been recruiting to and what you've been trying to build since the destruction of the NCAA with all these offensive weapons. And if you are, and if he's committed to Ole Miss, then you need to change the way you recruit. We need to go start getting these offensive linemen that are bowling balls, not not pass protection offensive linemen. We need to quit going after all these four-star receivers and get nothing but bowling balls at running back and go straight that style. So Ole Miss is – Already at a crossroads with all the NCAA stuff, and and now you've got a crossroads with what kind of offense they're going to run, which could completely set you back several more years. And now, what 
Ole Miss is at a crossroads. You got a coach that that probably wants to be a head coach somewhere who's completely changing your offense and completely changing what you've recruited to for years. Are you going to roll with him and let him change that up and lose the momentum? Because by the way, Mississippi's about to have a great crop of wide receivers coming along. And if you've got Rich Rodriguez running this no-throw-the-ball offense, they're not going to Ole Miss. They're going to go to Alabama. They're going to go to LSU in in a time where you probably could have got them to go to Ole Miss. So Ole Miss was already at a crossroads, like I said, with NCA. Now they're at a crossroads with, with what kind of offense they're going to run, and it, it could set them back even more years to come. So they better start making some decisions and making them quick on what their plan is. In closing, I know this makes me a crappy Rebel fan. I know I'm taking against my Rebs. I've seen this song and dance too many times. Ole Miss plays horrible against both Alabama schools. It's a bad matchup already with Auburn's defense. The one, the one question is how motivated is Auburn coming off the LSU loss? I still don't think it matters. I think Ole Miss is starting to fall apart offensively. I like, I like Auburn in this, this, this spot. So those are my picks, man. Uh, Auburn minus eighteen and a half. I got the Mad Hatter plus six and a half. Got the Gators and Mullins plus six and a half. What do you like, Michael? Well, Petty, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I, when I looked through our pick them, Auburn minus 18 and a half, I jumped on it, um, especially because there's been a lot of media attention on Gus Malzahn uh, saying that his offense sucks. And if his offense hadn't sucked, he would have won the LSU game. There were some pretty big stories that were all across the internet. I feel like old Gus is going to try to make a statement on this one. And unfortunately the rebels are in the way and his defense is going to make the stop. And he's actually going to bring an offense to this game. Unfortunately, I didn't want to pick Auburn. I did it for you. uh, Because I've picked them two or three weeks in a row and you'd already picked them. So that's really good. And thank God. Well, I guess now it's time to hear my picks and we've already covered, uh, one of these games. The other two we've not spoken yeah. a word about. So that's good. I'll get into the first one. SMU at Memphis. When I looked at this game, I've seen both teams play. Um, Memphis is a good team from the mid-level. SMU, which I didn't believe in early on, and which who has... The only time I picked them <laughs> in the pick three, they screwed me. Um, so this is probably a dumb pick. But I do think that they've done better against better competition and they're going to be at memphis which is the only thing that kind of gives me a little bit of hesitation and when i threw this out there i was 100 percent confident in it. and then i see uh on reddit which is another good place to watch gambling people talk i i see people talking about it and they considered this line like the tcu texas line of last week that petty you picked perfectly as an l and they feel like you know, SMU is a Texas in this one, that they're ranked higher and that they're getting points or something like that, that it's a trap. And for me, I feel like SMU has done has done a little bit better against better competition. So I'm going to go with SMU plus the five and a half. I could get screwed on this one, yeah, but I, that's what I'm I'm taking. with you, man. I mentioned, um, we mentioned, we did the breakdown on this one, but it, I'm not big on money lines. Uh, I don't ever think there's that much value in them because there, there's a reason that so much. This would be, this one's going to be a plus 150. Th- probably. This would be a money line that I, I would probably, probably consider putting a little change on. Me too, but my official pick is plus 5.5. Plus but 5 I will be actually putting a little bit on the money line as well. I do think SMU wins this game outright. Um, I wish it were at an awkward time or something to really make things weird, but we'll take what we can get. And let's move on to our second game. I 
I've got Oregon Ducks going to USC um, down at the Coliseum, and Oregon's minus four and a half. And the Pac-12 has been a shit show. Let's not crazy. It's crazy. Everything that's going on out there is unpredicted. Um, a lot of the people that I'm looking at, oh, it's like I said earlier in the show, a lot of the Utah fans are scared about going to Washington, which makes me really want to bet Washington. Uh, but I've got Oregon minus four and a half going to USC. I think Oregon's going to cover this. I think they're going to cover this by a couple touchdowns. I think this isn't going to be a super close game. So, you know, I, I could be wrong, but I feel pretty good about this one. Um, you know, so I, I see this. I see this like a mirror to the to the Penn State Michigan State where you were on the other side last week. I, I think this line's low. People still see value in USC, but man, Oregon's defense are, is is very underrated. I yep. believe I don't think people talk about it enough. Their offense has really gotten going. Uh, I, I I like this pick, it, but like you said, the Pac-12's nuts. So who it knows? is nuts. But like I said. At the beginning of this podcast, I said we're going three and zero on my picks. So that's right. You know, so I don't. A, it's a winner. You know, most of the time I'm pretty self deprecating. So take that for what it's worth. And here we come with the third pick mm. of the week. This is one that might seem a little weird to some people, but we got TCU at Oklahoma State. TCU coming off that big win at Texas last week, looking like the real Horn Frogs of Yorn. Um, and I say Yorn, the ones that kicked the crap out of Ole Miss a few years ago. But, uh, well, that was a bad one. Um, that was right before I moved to Denver, Colorado in 2000, 2014, New Year's 2015. Uh, that's when. I, I don't think this is a joke, but I think the word on the street was Ole Miss was just happy to be in an access bowl, and they partied like it was 1999 prior to the game. Can't say I blame them at all for that. I would have partied as well. Uh, I also partied like it was 1999, and then I moved to Denver and then partied like <laughs> it was 2000 for a couple couple months but that's neither here nor there let's get back to football um tcu at oklahoma state oklahoma state's minus two and a half for me i thought this was a mild wtf but i didn't put it on the sheet until right when i was about to say it we both looked at each other and did the wtf thing so we believe this might be our uh you know kind of premier wtf line of the week is that am i safe saying that petty yeah, I liked the – I kind of was on the Kansas WTF line, but I feel like this may be a stronger WTF just because people are going to have it in their psyche what T- TCU did uh, Texas last week and, and Oklahoma State's kind of been up, up and down this year. So, no, I actually really like this as a WTF line. Yeah. I think, uh, again, I'm uh, – you know, I have two underdogs in my picks this week, and I would be very comfortable taking both of those as money lines. It, and maybe the mullet. You know, we we discussed music earlier. He's didn't we say he's a Prince fan? Oh, maybe dude. he's gonna maybe he's gonna turn the Purple Rain back on the. Uh, you just said the, party like it's nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, mean, can we get off the it, Prince stuff? That was if that was anything, that was just the universe telling us that this is a great pick. Oh yeah, and you got a, a, a the TCU Purple Horn Frogs coming in, and and he's just gonna drop Purple Rain all over that head. All right, so I love it. I love That's it. Three and zero. There we go. Three and zero for me. Three and zero for you. Um, I'm a man. Perfect week. Perfect week. And if you don't go 3-0, and it's because you betrayed your home team and you'll go 2-1 and one and you'll take that. Hey, right. I'll tell you what. I'll take 2-1 and one if, if the Rebels – I don't – now, if they lose by 17, I'll be pissed. But, you know, if they make it a ball game, I'll be good with it. All right. No, agreed. And I'm with you on that. So, let's hope for uh, – you know, hotty toddy, roll tide. Uh, do, right. a hand, do a hand signal for all of your Big Twelve teams. I'm doing a, I'm the, doing a SMU ponies right now. 
Uh, is that the? I thought you were doing the TCU. Uh, they do. But they wiggle their fingers. I think. I yeah. think the ponies are just. You know, you do this business. Yeah. Oh, so by the you way, guys can see it. Quick note on TCU. Did you watch any of that game? Did you notice they had like red on their uniforms? And what was that why? about? What was that okay. About? I I had to look that up because I'm like, there's they're they're purple and black. Um, apparently when a horn frog attacks, its eyes turn red and it spits like a red venom from its eyes or mouth or something. And so that's the venom that comes out of a horn frog is red. So that was the reason for the red, orange, blood orange coloring. That's fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they are scarier than we make fun of the horn, yeah. horny frogs. I want nothing to do with the horn frog after that statement. So... Nope. At least we know. So, all right. So, we've got my 3-0 and picks. Yep. we got what? Petty's 3-0 and picks. This is not Let's the week judged. where we're telling you we're going to suck. We're going to do good this we're week. We're money. Guys. We're finally going to do good. So, let's get on this. Uh, now, as a surprise to everyone, including us, we have our NFL picks before the podcast. With so me Petty actually on it. I'm actually here. We'll be able to discuss these. So, coming in, um, our guys 3-3. Three and three, he told us that he was going to have one more mediocre week last week, which we can't tell you about, but it was not mediocre. Too bad you didn't get it. Thanks a lot for being on time, Justin. That's sarcasm. <laughs> Here we go. His first pick of the week uh, is actually off the books on mine, so we had to go to covers.com to get this line. It's Minnesota minus three at Kansas City. As we all know, Mahomes has a, uh, I think maybe a left ankle injury, or is it the right, Petty? Do we know that? One of them. It's one of them. It's more important for a left-handed quarterback if his right ankle's injured because I guess that should be uh, something we know. Pardon me, his left ankle, his plant foot is the one that's going to hurt you. Seems to us that Justin does not think Mahomes is going to be back to full swing. Minnesota defense is strong. He's got Minnesota minus three in Arrowhead Stadium. What do you think about that pick, Patty? I I faded them for the sole fact this week, last week, that they were playing a a, a pretty hot Green Bay team who's playing good defense, and Mahomes wasn't playing. So I don't think I, I'll be honest. Kansas City, Mahomes probably deserves MVP. I don't think Kansas City's that good of a team without Mahomes. Their defense it can't get off the field. I, I, if Mahomes didn't play, and I like the pick, we consider Green Bay to be one of the best teams in the NFC, right? Yeah, they're one of the top. Kansas three. City took them to the end of the game without their star quarterback, right? Uh, well, I, I thought it was a seven. It was it was a. It was a seven-pointer. Yeah, most games in the NFL are, though. I I think the Kansas City team is more than Mahomes, even though Mahomes is the man, and when he's there, he adds four to seven points. I mean, Hill's good. They've got good skill position players. I guess I'm... They do. Uh, all it takes is somebody that can distribute a little bit. I guess I I'm still pissed off that uh, they blew a parlay for me because their defense sucks. So maybe I, I think I've still got like some, some hangover angst at KC. I... I you know, I noticed that, and that's why I was really wanting to <laughs> dig this out of you to see how you were really feeling. So, okay, so we all may feel okay with the Minnesota minus three pick um, if Mahomes is not playing. Even if Mahomes is playing, he probably takes a point off if he's gimped. So, for me, eh, I might stay away from this one, but we'll see what our guru thinks. Minnesota minus three. Next game, this is one that when I saw the line, I thought, Oh, duh. Grabbed it, put it in my parlay on pick'em and everything before I had time yeah, to go back nope. and reevaluate. Initial inclination, Dallas minus seven at the Giants. What do you think about it, Benny? Well, 
the one known factor is the Giants do suck. The one unknown factor is what Dallas team shows up. The one where Dak poops in his pants like he did his senior year in the Egg Bowl or the one where Dak looks like a top-tier NFL quarterback. Uh, and it and the thing is, there's no rhyme or reason with Dallas. He's done it against good teams. He's done it against bad teams. He's been bad against good teams. He's been bad against bad teams. It just depends on what team Dallas shows up. If the good Dallas team shows up where they're really focusing on give it, like playing off of Ezekiel Elliott and the defense is playing lights out and then Dak makes the throws he needs to when the pressure's off, they win this game by two by 17 points. Giants just aren't very good. I think we're learning now well, it wasn't like, Eli. <laughs> I would like to uh, make the comment that our friend at Smith Infinity Huntsville is actually a Dallas fan. <laughs> so he sometimes gets a Only- little bit star-eyed, you know, star-eyed. But I, in this case, I don't think he is. I do think Dallas is going to go in. I think they're going to kick the Giants. I do, too. This the Giants a division suck. game. It's important. When it's important, the Cowboys seem to step That's a good up call. and do it. It seems like the Cowboys falter when they're playing the Saints or the Rams. That's really when they'll be like, we're big crybabies. But outside of that, they seem pretty One, solid. one thing I do want to say, and this has nothing to do with the outcome of the game, I get the giant, uh, the Cowboys like wearing white at home. When the Cowboys wear their navy blue jerseys with that silver helmet, it is low-key one of the best uniforms in all of sports. They should wear that more. Low-key nothing. Yeah, it's one of my classic. favorite uniforms uh, in all of sports well. is Dallas in their navy blue jersey against the silver, and they're stupid for not wearing it more. So, so far what we've got, Minnesota minus three at Kansas City, road favorite. Dallas minus seven at the Giants, road Ooh, he favorite. He likes the road favorites, doesn't he? road favorites. I mean, favorites have been killing it this year. It's hard not to go yeah. for them or whatever. Like, I've got to get off my, you know, strategy that usually wins, which is being a contrarian. I think now that they've made gambling a – legal most of the country that you can actually get an advantage now because there's enough people out there so yeah. um yeah take it to skew the right, state yeah. to, to make up for the fact that some people are better than others so i think it just sticks in the middle anyway going to the third game we've got washington redskins going to buffalo um he's got the under 37 this is two very bad offensive teams with two serviceable defenses under 37, when you see a number like that, you're like, holy cow, is it even possible to have an NFL game that goes under 37? Well, believe it or not, you know, the overs that are over like 50 and the unders that are under, you know, 38, 37 generally hit. So talk to me. What well, do you I think? mean, we, we, we had we had 15 to 12 games last week. There's a lot of NFL games that are staying under that 37 number. And I, I'm with what Michael said. A lot of times in the NFL, if you see a number that low that looks – they're doing it to make you take the under because you're, you're wondering – like Michael just said, how do you how do you score that low? Uh, well, the NFL will show you real quick. If, if it's if it's that low, take the under. If it's in the 50s, take the over and just let it ride. So, I, I see where I see where his logic is here. And both these teams are, are very mediocre offensively. All right. Well, good luck to Justin and Smith Infinity Huntsville. Um, we're going to put the challenge on them this month to become an official sponsor of the NFL Pick 3. Um, we got a little wishy-washy stuff on that. So anybody who might possibly be a uh, customer of Smith Infinity Huntsville, make sure you let them know that you heard their name on Week Zero Sports because we'd really appreciate that. And with that, you know, we're finished with our pick three. I hope everybody comes with us. Uh, I have a feeling I'm going three and oh. Petty's looking like he's semi-confident, but he's got a homer pick in there, so we're not sure how that's going to turn out. So 
Um, good luck to Justin at the NFL. It's basically zero to zero. We're going to see how everything goes. And uh, I think even though we've gone over by, you know, two or three hours, I think it's time. I think we still have time for the fun fact. Petty, what do you got for us? Well, Michael, if you've ever caught yourself wondering why you weren't born or given the uh, abilities that th these uh, gladiators you see on TV playing sports, like, man, why couldn't I play professional sports? Why couldn't I get been good enough? Well, maybe it wasn't that you weren't born with the right gifts. Maybe it's that you weren't born in the right country playing the right sports, Michael. Because apparently kite flying is a professional sport in Thailand. Is, is this a contact sport? I'm going to have to look up some video. I'm not going to lie. I saw it, threw it in last minute, and now I'm going to have to do some follow-up research because I can fly a kite sitting on the beach with a, with a, with a pina colada sitting in the hand. How, um, about, how about this as an experiment? For anyone who's made it to the very end of the world's longest podcast episode about nothing, could you, <laughs> could you jump onto Reddit? And if you don't have an account, create yourself a Reddit account. It's easy. It only takes a second. And go to reddit.com slash r slash week zero. No spaces, week zero. And uh, my friend Petty here is going to start a conversation about kite flying as a professional sport in Thailand. And we're going to get some videos and a little context on this because I don't want to just hear about this and not know what's going on. I just know that you don't have to hit a Randy Johnson fastball and you don't have to tackle Bo Jackson. You just got to get that sucker flying. So what you need is like good handles. Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good wind. I mean, right. you just need good wind. Right. This is not the kind of thing you can do in Alabama. This is California or a Thailand sport is what yeah. you're telling me. That's right. Well, Petty, what a great episode, man. Um, if you all knew the amount of outtakes and awesomeness <laughs> that are coming from this, you'd be mind blown. But at the end of football season, we promise to produce a short outtakes episode that gives you this kind of talk that maybe veers off the, the topics that we normally like to cover. And it's maybe a little controversial or something that we wouldn't want to be tied to the week zero brand. So we can't <laughs> wait to share that with you. But we we literally just went going with the wind on this podcast. I'm looking at the timer and we have been recording for two hours and 50 minutes. <laughs> yep. Th Thursday night cocktails, buddy. That's what happens. That's what happens when you drink dead people. So yeah, with that, I guys, drink dead people. Thank you so much. This has been a great, this has been a wonderful Thursday night. Uh, we hope you guys are following the games with us on Saturday. We actually finally feel good about our picks. Um, so let's, uh, let's go out, win some money. And we hope everybody has a wonderful Halloween and, um, you know, happy, happy Halloween. I'm Michael with week zero. I'm Petty. Trick or treat. Adios, guys. Peace.